Under Donald Trump, he had an executive order that banned effectively critical race theory trainings at uh, in the government, as well as any company that implemented these trainings as well. Well, when Joe Biden got in, he rescinded this executive order. And now there are questions about what's going to be happening at universities. Apparently, there was a rule from the Department of Education that racial affinity groups were discriminatory. These groups are basically when they take a bunch of people of one race and make them segregate. Under Donald Trump, that was against the rules. And now under Joe Biden, it is within the rules and, in my opinion, shockingly discriminatory. Well, we have a very specific story uh, from Smith College and one of their staff members who was a white staff member who is accusing the university of anti-white racism. But instead of me trying to break down the the long and arduous journey for you, we actually are joined by Jody Shaw, who you were the staffer who resigned. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I am. Hi, I'm Jody Shaw, former staffer of Smith College. Uh, should I tell the story? Just really, just a really quick and simple introduction. Like you quit for, you know, Oh, uh, well, <laughs> like 30 seconds. Okay. So, uh, there's a lot of context, but essentially Smith, uh, various initiatives and policies aimed at achieving racial justice are grounded in critical race theory. And what we know about critical race theory is not, um, it's not that somebody commits an act of racism, it's that somebody is racist simply based on their skin color. And that skin color happens to be white. Basically, wokeness is taking over these universities and you had to experience it firsthand and it essentially forced you out. So we'll talk about your story. And there's a bunch of other stories. Apparently, there's another professor who's come out and, you know, called it, what does he call it? Like a, like a religion, basically, a non-secular religion. Secular religion. Yeah. Secular religion. Right. Secular religion. Which is, uh, we heard that from Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay mm-hmm. and Helen Pluckrose as well mm-hmm. years ago. So we'll get into this. We're also hanging out with Ian. Hey, everyone. Ian Crossland up in this. How's it going, Jody? <laughs> yeah, up in this house. There you yes, go. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hello. And also me in the corner pushing buttons. I'm Sarah Patch Lentz. Before we get started, we have an amazing sponsor today, Virtual Shield, a virtual private network service. Go to surfinginternetsafe.com and you can get a virtual private network service 50% off for life. That's $2.50 per month. You may be asking, Tim, what is a virtual private network service? It is a basic layer of security for you as you browse the internet. There are nefarious actors, there's governments, there's corporations. They want to steal your data. They want to spy on you. They want to collect information about you. They want to know things about you that you yourself probably don't know. They can predict your behavior. It's really, really creepy stuff. If you would like a basic layer of security, make it harder for these nefarious actors to collect your information, go to surfinginternetsafe.com, get Virtual Shield. Again, basic layer of security. Here's the way I describe it. We don't expect people to break into our houses. We still lock our doors and windows because, hey, it might happen. We at least want to make it a little bit harder for those who might do it. And in the event you end up a target of maybe somebody wants to steal your credit card information or intrude on you or spy on your browser history or something like that, you'll probably want a VPN. And it's not that hard to set up. Just go to Surfing Internet Safe and you can get, again, 50% off for life. It's The link is in the description below. And I just want to shout out Virtual Shield. They're my first sponsor. They've been here for, you know, with me for years and they really help make all of this possible. So if you want to return the favor, again, surfinginternetsafe.com. Don't forget, go to timcast.com, become a member to get access to exclusive members only segments of the Timcast IRL podcast. We have a bunch of really fun and silly uh, segments. And I got guys, for some reason, 
Don't ask me why. All of these segments end up turning into conversations about like DMT and God for some reason. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're going to talk about aliens. Well, interestingly, DMT and God. And then we have, you know, Kurt Schlichter talking about Dr. Fauci. And then it all just finds its way in there because we just reduce all of these conversations to the bigger questions, I guess. But anyway, if you like <laughs> the idea of these conversations, go to TimCast.com, become a member, click the like bu- button, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Leave us a good review if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, because that really, really does help. Five stars. And again, share this podcast if you really like it. Today is going to be much more focused on a lot of topical stories, but we're going to jump into the story from Jody so we can better understand exactly what's going on with your case and what you're experiencing in these universities. So I'll lay it out. I think most people understand wokeness, critical theory, which is not just race theory, it's also critical gender theory. There's, they seem to be formless in a sense, like the rules don't really make sense. They just want you to bend the knee and adhere to their strange subjective reality. It's resulting in overtly bigoted and racist policies, which in my opinion, violate the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So for me personally, one of the reasons I supported Trump in this election cycle, in this past election cycle, was because of his, because of his executive order banning critical race theory in the government, as well as contracts with companies that do this. Because I've seen firsthand what happens when you implement these neo-racist, neo-segregationist policies. Universities are creating affinity groups. They're telling all the white people to segregate and all the black people to segregate. And then it creates very strange problems with whether or not Asians are minorities or they're white and privileged. So you've experienced this firsthand. And first, just tell me the story and, and whatever detail you want to tell us the story where you ultimately resigned from your job because I guess they were being racist to you for being white. Yes, that's accurate. All right. Thank you for telling your story. What happened? Where did you work? Smith College. What's going on? Smith College. So uh, I started off at Smith as a temporary librarian working in the, the library as an outreach and engagement librarian. And I was hired to do, you know, kind of out of the box things to engage students who otherwise normally wouldn't engage very deeply with the library. And um, about, I don't know, almost a year after I was hired, I was, or six months after I was hired, I was tasked with a, doing a wild and crazy event for 600 first year students. And uh, I decided, and I was given a big venue and the people who gave me the venue said, we will give you this venue if you do something wild and crazy because these kids are gonna be exhausted. This is the sixth day of the event. Um, so you got to agree to that. So I did. And I thought, and I, I'm, I have a musician background. So I thought, well, what's the best way to transmit a bunch of very boring information to a bunch of six, 600, um, first year students, obviously a rap. So <laughs> everyone knew I was going to be doing a rap. I spent months, uh, preparing, working with musicians, getting everything set up, the sound and everything. And simultaneously I was up for a permanent job at Smith college. So I worked all summer on this, and then something happened at Smith. On July 31st, 2018, um, a student, a black student, accused a white custodian of engaging in racially motivated behavior against her. She was in a house that she was not supposed to be in. It was over the summer, and the staff there had allowed her to be in the house, but this custodian didn't know who she was. She was lying down in this living room, couldn't see her very well. And this document, this incident's been documented quite well now in a recent New York Times article. Ever since that incident, um, the, the college immediately, so the student... That was, that was like two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, this was in 2018, July. She made a Facebook post. So she didn't even file a formal complaint. 
Uh, she simply posted about the experience on Facebook and said that this was a just another example of a pattern of systemic racism she had experienced at Smith College. So Smith, the college immediately sprung into action, um, announcing a, a profuse apologies to the student and to the student body, and announced its intention to launch all these initiatives and um, committees and conversations and dialogues to combat this issue of systemic racism at the college. And this was before they'd even conducted in any investigation into what had actually happened that day. So they did conduct an investigation, a very thorough one, and they found that there was absolutely no evidence of racial bias. And anyone who has is privy to the facts of what happened that day and has read this investigatory report, which is it's 35 pages plus 130 pages of exhibits. I mean, it was really thorough. They would be hard pressed to argue that this was an incident of racial bias. That in and of itself is insane. That a woman was sitting down in some, she was in a, in a closed dorm, a janitor mm -hmm. saw her and said, who's this? So mm -hmm. instead of confronting the person, which could have been a bad call, he called a cop. The cop was very polite. There's video of it where he's just like, mm -hmm. how's it going? How are things? Sorry for bothering you. And that warranted an independent investigatory body coming in a 35 page report. 35 page report plus exhibits, floor plans, audio recordings. They, they investigated phone calls to campus. This is campus police. So unarmed. It wasn't like the town police. This is campus police, a thirty, a guy who'd been working there for 35 years. His name's Robert Young. Beloved, spotless record. Um, he showed up and he actually, I think he recognized the student. I heard he recognized her and, 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 and she was able to stay. Um, so yeah, they, they really, it was like they were really trying hard to almost to prove that it was, in my opinion, almost to prove that it was. And, and they weren't able to, that, the uh, outside investigators said this this is not an incident of racial bias, and yet they proceeded with all these initiatives. And um, it's, it's almost like it didn't <laughs> matter what the event was. They wanted the the anti racism, which is just a name, by the way. They wanted the critical race theory policies in the school, and it sounds like they knew it was bunk, but they needed a pretext. And even though it was proven bunk, they moved forward anyway. That's I think that's an accurate analysis. Um, so, it, so what ended up happening to you then? So what happened to me was, you know, meanwhile, I'm in the library working on my rap <laughs> and, um, about, so this happened on July 31st and the, the orientation I was doing was happening in very early, like right after Labor Day. And so within a week of me doing this huge thing, organizing an event for 600 people, it's no small undertaking. I was told, uh, my supervisor came in and said, you know, you can't do this. You can't do a rap. Uh, and I said, why not? And he said, because you're white and it would be seen as cultural appropriation. So, um, did you try identifying as not white? I, I did ask. I said, <laughs> I said, really no, did. I, was I didn't. I said, I said, so uh, if I was not white or I know I said, if I was a person of color and I didn't indicate what color I said, if I was a person of color, would I be allowed to do it? And he said, yes, without hesitation. Well, so obviously just anybody except for somebody who's white. What about Eminem? Ooh, Did you tell him that? Yeah. Well, one of the most Eminem's prolific, white dude. prolific oh, actors of our time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or, uh, I mean, rappers of our time, rather. I'm kidding, by the She's way. He's a white supremacist. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, yeah, people say that. Macklemore and, I mean, of course, Tom McDonald. But, I mean, really, rap is, is an American. You, it's an American art. It's an American. It's culturally American, I, I think. That's my view. Yeah. I don't understand but why I, we all can't just, you know, appreciate 
You know what I mean? Like it's actually like racist of me to try and play that game about what about who, who, a white guy who did it too? And like, was it, you're right, it's an American art form. Who invented the guitar? Where did the guitar come from? Huh? Mm-hmm. Good question. Who's using that? Or keyboards oh. or uh, turntables? Jeez, the, who invented in the, the record East? player? Yeah. Or the know. loot? Uh, Everybody, Tesla, every look. That's that's why I'm like <laughs> I, this, this stuff's really scary because <laughs> it's it's kind of obvious. L- l- let me ask you: the the your supervisor who came in said you can't rap. Is this like a middle aged white dude? He's a white dude, but he's not middle aged. He's younger than me, and he was actually oh. the head of the search committee for the job I was up for. So it was wow. very awkward. Oh, and so, this, <laughs> was he woke? Like, I mean, or I think just he's towing the line. So coward. He's a, I'm. <laughs> you should don't don't answer that. Don't answer that. Uh, I personally do not respect individuals who would say something like that because I think what he said to you was was extremely racist. Extremely yes, ra- it, it was so it was, but it was so unhesitating. I mean, the manner in which he said it, and then followed up by an email. He memorialized this in an email okay. in writing, and then I went to the dean of the libraries and I said, you know, what's going on? And she actually told said to me something that was a veiled threat. Remember, I was up for a job, and she said, well, how you choose, how you manage to be resilient in the face of this situation is really going to give us a lot of information in light of your candidacy for this job. It was something like that. I'm paraphrasing. Wow. So, I mean, that's to me, that's a veiled threat. And so th- the fact that they did it so blatantly and explicitly, I was genuinely confused. Um, I was like, because when I heard about the student – all I heard was a black student was just lying on a couch in a house and somebody called the police on her. That's terrible. Like that was the narrative that I heard. Right. You know, I had didn't really go because there was no investigation. That's what the college told me. I really didn't have reason not to believe them at that point. So I was confused. I was like, well, it, you know, this really feels like racial discrimination. He literally told me because I'm because you're white, you can't do this, this op- job opportunity. Um, and. I wrestled with, well, should I file a complaint? I was like, but can white people be discriminated against? Like, is that possible? And I thought, well, gee, if I, if I report it, I'll never get a job here because white people aren't supposed to complain about this stuff. They're not supposed to do that. And so it was a very, um, hard, hard for me emotionally to wrestle with what I was supposed to do with that. And what I ended up doing was I ended up leaving the library and moving to a different department on campus thinking that I could get away from, because there was also lots of these discussions and dialogues that discussions, dialogues that were happening even before this event had occurred that I just went along with. And again, I had no reason to believe, Oh, there's systemic racism. Okay. And I guess, you know, as a white person, you're supposed to talk about your privilege and that's going to help somehow. So I thought, okay, but inside it always felt like it felt kind of um, disingenuous. So you didn't quit at this point. You, no, you I left. I stayed in the school. Yeah, it's a long story. So I went to a different department and I didn't know that this department, the Department of Residence Life, is very steeped in this, the social justice. Um, that's one of its like core values. And again, at the time I thought, oh, social justice. Yeah, I, I'm, I can get with that. I, I hadn't quite put all the pieces together. And I think this is part of the problem is a lot of people are genuinely confused. You needed to be watching Timcast IRL. Obviously. I need- yeah, it's just, it's, I it's not, not your watching- fault though. I mean, you know, a lot Sorry. of people don't know about how awesome. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Continue. continue. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to be watching Timcast. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I moved into this department and other things started happening on campus. Like the campus police officer who showed up to that incident was was terminated a year later and this is a guy for, with, for racism 
No, it was for undisclosed reasons. Oh, my God. Wow. And he was a 35-year veteran, about to retire, spotless police officer. He was beloved. We called him Officer Bob. He was there when I was a student there. That's that's a Simpsons joke, where they're <laughs> like, he was two days away from retirement. Like, they do that all the time. Like, the dog gets hit by a car. I'm like, ah, oh, he was two days away from retirement. Here's this cop. I mean, it's 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 kind of... It, it, it's 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 parody in and of itself. It's like life imitating art. It's so it's so absurd. Yeah, it's absurd, and it's really it's tragic. Um, because the other thing that happened with the student was she made this Facebook post, and then she made a sub. She didn't know the name of the custodian. She couldn't identify the custodian who had called campus police on her. So she posted the photos and email addresses of two other wow. unrelated, like people who were not involved. Um, a dining room person and a, another custodian who wasn't even there. He'd left his shift for the day before it even happened. And those two, the lives of those two people were, I mean, I, I think it was catastrophic. One of them, uh, during the investigation, he was put on leave and uh, a paid leave and he ended up not coming back to the college. He had pre some preexisting conditions and it was, it was too much. He wow. didn't come back. And then the dining room worker uh, was harassed I mean, she got uh, phone calls. She got notes in her home mailbox. Um, she, she, p students would whisper and point at her. There's the racist. Uh, she recent. She was then furloughed this past summer, and she applied for a job somewhere. And the, you know, to to make up for the fur for the loss of her, temporary loss of her job at Smith. And the person who was hiring her said, "Weren't you the person?" that was involved with that student when the, they called the police and she was like, no, no, she tried to explain it. She, she didn't get the job. I mean, we can't know for sure that well, it, it, she didn't get the job for that reason. But I, I would say yes, but I, what you need to understand, once the word gets out, you'll hear this. Look, I understand you weren't at fault, but I mean, we, we can't have those people coming after us. So I'm, I'm just sorry. You understand, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Once you're out there, you are unhirable. And well, it's not when it's not about whether they believe you or not. It's that they don't want you near their so company. So now, so so now you're waking up to the realities that are the the cult of you know wokeness. But you still work at the college. I still work at the college. I'm starting to wake up. I'm starting to like pay attention more. Um, some other things start happening around campus. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. I'm trying. You know, I th I took a lower paying position as um uh in admit doing administrative support so i was no longer a teaching librarian i was kind of like I, th I thought oh i can hide down here <laughs> that's kind of what i thought very nuts and bolts like getting students their ids getting them keys very very like salt like practical kind of job and yet you know i was told i had to attend uh staff meetings where people were talking about identity um we talked we had there was one staff meeting where we talked about the colo how colonialism was it white supremacy? Like examples of how white supremacy still manifests at the college. And one of my colleagues um, started banging on the table saying, rich white women, rich white women. And, and he, he was talking about <laughs> wow. the alums. He's talking about the alums. And did, did, so nobody batted an eyelash. You know, I'm like, this feels very like, I mean, this doesn't feel professional. There, there was no, like, did they start bank? Bang on the table and chanting "Google gobble one of us" at you, <laughs> trying to convince you to join the cult. Didn't happen. Because any, no. anybody who gets that reference, you deserve something a, a present. As what is it? I don't actually. It's get from. The a, it's from a, Thank you. Ian. It's from. A, it's from the movie called Freaks. I think. Yeah. I think it's called Freaks. Like and the there's 30s, this beautiful right? woman. She's trying to marry Naturally. this freak who's got an inheritance, and so all the freaks at the table are chanting "Google gobble one of us," but she's not a freak, and so she's like, "No!" and she like runs away screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was me. I'm that. I'm that woman.
So, but but is that is that is that how you ended up quitting or, or? No. So then, like you know, I started gently. <laughs> I felt gently talking to my supervisors, like because the other thing they were asking me to do was to support a curriculum for students that was essentially telling students that you can break the world down into two groups of people: oppressed and oppressors. And oppressors are white, and everyone else is oppressed. And I felt like that was really a, such a disservice to students. It made me very uncomfortable. It felt like the infantilization I was talking to Lydia about earlier of, of students, like telling students of color, like you can't quite handle the world. And, um, until, until your white counterparts start talking about their white privilege, nothing's going to happen for you. It was kind of this toxic dependency thing. And I, I just felt like it was incredibly disempowering to both white students and non-white students. And so I tried to raise this several times with my supervisor nothing happened. I finally just was like, I'm not, I don't want to talk about my race at work. I started thinking, gee, you know, you can't ask about race in a job interview. So how is it that this is a continued condition of my employment? Um, so I was told we were going to go, this is the big event. We were going to go to a, um, a professional development retreat on campus. And the first day we would be discussing our identities. So I went to my supervisor and I said, you know, and I knew that meant race because <clears throat> that's usually what it means. And I said, you know, I'm uncomfortable discussing my race at work. And she said, no problem. Just say that at the retreat. So I thought, okay. So I went to the retreat and everyone went around the table and we did the script talking about our race. And it was actually, they wanted us to talk about our race in the context of our childhood, no less. <clears throat> race slash culture. They were like conflating the two. And so I said, I'm uncomfortable talking about this at work. And then a little later, one of the hired facilitators said, I was the only one to abstain, by the way. One of the hired facilitators said, you know, any white person who declines or exhibits discomfort, which I had, um, in discussing their race when requested is not actually uncomfortable. You might want to, you might want to feel like you empathy for them, but don't. They're actually doing it. What they're doing is a power play and it's called white fragility. And so they said this in my, my heart just dropped because this was in front of all my colleagues. And that's when a line was crossed for me because I realized this wasn't just, I couldn't just keep, you can't just keep your head down and mouth shut in this environment. This is an environment in which now shame and public humiliation is being used as a tool to compel certain behavior because they wanted me to talk about my race and I, they wanted me to talk about it in a certain way. Um, I answered the question authentically, which is I am uncomfortable discussing my race. And that was not an acceptable response. So at that point, I knew I had to file a complaint, which <laughs> brings me to filing the complaint <laughs> with the officer in charge of um, making sure Smith follow, complies with EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission laws. She has a JD. And when I went to file my complaint, to t I met with her and she looked at me, she was rather incredulous. And, and she said, do you believe in white privilege? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then she said, you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was created to protect traditionally marginalized groups of people. So I interpret that to mean not me. And then the last thing she said um, was, you know, I'm going to have to hire an outside investigator to to deal with this if you're going to proceed with filing a, a complaint of racial discrimination and harassment. And I said, well, well, why is that? Aren't you the person that processes these complaints? And she said, yes, but this is different because you're white.
She literally said those words. She literally said those words. She said wow. that twice, two two different occasions, and I followed them up with emails, of course, um, because by now I'm I'm being very careful about paper trail and everything. So when, so I I filed the complaint, and I filed it. I think it was probably like a week before George Floyd was murdered. And so, Smith. Smith went into hyperdrive after the July 31st, 2018 incident with the combating systemic racism stuff and the, the, all the initiatives. They went into super duper hyperdrive after George Floyd. And, and remember this time, like we're in a global pandemic. Nobody knows what's going on. Suddenly everybody's like the college is closed. Everyone's working from home. We're going to furlough all these people. Everyone's worried about their job. And the college comes out with this four-page document called Toward Racial Justice at Smith outlining further initiatives, including initiatives aimed at measuring uh, pay across registers of identity. So we're talking about like you now it's being tied to your job performance. So at that point, I started sending emails to HR and other people asking, you know, can you give me definitions of this stuff? Like, what do you mean by equity? And what does this mean? Because now you're telling me this is tied to my pay. And they, there was nothing happening. I, I, in the meantime, I, I was getting invited to white staff only meetings and um, being told that letters from the president saying white people are especially responsible for combating racism and doing this work. And we all have to work and do this hard work. And it, it felt like it was just constant, constant emails and constantly talking about what being white and, um, how responsible white people are for all of this racism and how horrible the systemic racism is and, um, and how I need to do all this work. And by now it's been made clear to me that it's not optional, right? I mean, they say, well, you know, it's optional, but if I don't go, I've been, you know, it's like clearly that could be interpreted as an act of aggression or a power play. So, um, Cut to October, I finally decided that um, I, I was in a bad state psychologically and um, and physically, and I decided that my my health was the damage that that I was causing to myself by remaining in this environment was uh, worse than what might happen if I made a video about it. So I made a YouTube video, and that actually kind of just blew up. I didn't know what would happen. You had, did you quit at this point? No. You really want to get to the part where I quit? <laughs> no, not yeah, yet. kind of, I guess. But Sorry. No, not, not, not really. I'm just curious if, like, you know, it no, sounds. So, it, I'll, I'll just put it this way: it really does sound like you 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 were constantly being pushed to your breaking point. <laughs> and from what you're telling me, you're like, they told me I had to say this, and I'm like, wow, surely that made you quit. But hearing that I each and every beat in the story, you're like, you stayed through it. I try, yeah, because I, I I was going through all the internal channels of trying. I I had I was a good faith effort on my part. I thought, well, ma- surely if I show them that this is wrong, surely they will be like, oh, maybe we should review our policies, or oh, gee, this is hurting a staff member is coming us t- telling us this is hostile and she's being hurt. Like, surely we should listen to this person. I I, I just have a I have. I, I no longer have faith in Smith College, but I, I still had some faith at the time that perhaps, and, and I also knew I sh- I needed to exhaust my internal re- remedies too. Um, so I made some videos and I got put under investigation like within a month for an unrelated thing. And um, then I was 
they found me not guilty of whatever it was I was under investigation for. I was slap on the wrist. Do you know what the investigation was for? Yeah. Um, we, we had received, after I made the, the video, we received a bunch of emails to my department, to the departmental email, which I respond to, a bunch of people respond to it. And it was like, you know, uh, Jody Shaw's a white supremacist. She went on Tucker, because I went on Tucker Carlson after I made the video. Um, she's associated with a white supremacist, therefore you should fire her. And so I was forwarding these emails to my personal account because I'm documenting everything by now. And um, they said one of one of those emails contained student information. I'm not clear on what, e- they didn't tell me which email it was. Um, and I wasn't able to determine which email they meant, but it was a slap on the wrist. And then it was like, uh, okay, um, you can come back to work. And I, I thought it felt like that was a hard choice, um, whether or not to go back or, um, I'm not going to talk about the, there was some settlement negotiations, which I won't get into, but, um, I, it felt like going back into an abusive relationship. And I thought I wouldn't go back into an abusive relationship. So I, I can't, I can't go back. And that's I, I when I resigned. I can't believe you made it that far. I can't either. But you know, I, <laughs> I, I absolutely can empathize. When I worked for Fusion, they had an event where they, they had all of their, you know, stars, their personalities hosting a specific event, except for one person. And, uh, well, I should say, I'm not going to pretend like I deserve to be a part of all of the big productions from this Disney corporate, this Disney corporate, you know, cable channel. But I did question why it was they brought in an outside personality who was black to be involved in an event when I was actually on staff under contract to be one of their hosts. And I don't care about the race of the individual. My question was, why hire someone from the outside if you're paying me to do this? And I was told explicitly by the president, it's because you are white. And I said, mm-hmm. don't you know that I am not? And he says, you look too white. And I said, I come from a, you know, everybody knows this by now, especially the people who watch the show, second generation mixed race family. And he was like, I get it, man. The company's racist. He told me that. And you know what? I did try to quit, but I never filed a complaint. Hindsight being 2020, I wonder if I really should have, if I should have gone, because maybe if, you know, at the time I didn't really think anything of it, but you mentioned something really interesting early on when you said that, you know, you as, as a white person, you had this idea that like, you don't complain about these things Mm -hmm. when they, when they criticize you or they, or they, you know, negatively impact your life based on you being white or whatever, white people don't complain. And it was interesting for me because I didn't look at, I've never, I've never had like a white racial history or identity or anything like that. Cause I grew up in a mixed race area with, with a bunch of different friends of different races. And I had a mom who, who made bulgogi for dinner but when I heard this, I had a more libertarian gut reaction of, you do you, I'll do me, break my contract. They refused to do it. They told me, you're under contract for another year. Why don't we just wait things out and see how it goes? And so in the meantime, I was getting paid well, and I didn't have any obligations with the company. They told me just do whatever because they didn't want the problems, I guess. The company wasn't always woke. They decided to get woke. And then... You know, I wonder now if I had just been more aware of what was going on. This is back in, I think, 2015. Maybe I could have, you know, filed a complaint that could have preempted something like what you went through. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we were all in this a little earlier and, and aware of what was going on. But it didn't, it didn't mean anything to me. It was just a one-off event in my life. I didn't realize at the time we had seen, you know, we we're seeing Gamergate, right? The, the start of this culture war. Now we can see how bad it's really gotten. So, so tell me now. So you ended up resigning and you ended up raising, what, like 300 grand? Yeah. 
Yeah. So what, go yeah, what's, all, what's that all about? What's 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 going on? What's, <laughs> what's this money for? You're gonna buy a, a you're gonna buy a Jeep, or Lamborghini? Something? Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the money is for. I mean, anything. <laughs> it's, it's the GoFundMe is complicated, but um, the GoFundMe was started because I was quitting my job and I wasn't gonna have income, uh, and I'm going up against an extremely powerful institution that has a two billion dollar endowment and has hired a very expensive attorney. And, uh, yeah, that's what the money's for. And, and actually it, my goal was 150 and anything over 150 actually is going into a fund. I'm working out the details now for other people who are in similar situations. Um, and then I cut that off at 290. So now it's going back to me because I realize now how little 150 actually is, um, in spite of, what people think it's actually not that, that it's much. It's not a lot. It, it's, it's not that it's, much money, especially um, since this is my job now. And uh, there are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of organizing, you know, in, in this, in the background and, and a lot of work and it's not that much money. You need a million it's, bucks and I'm not, I'm not yeah. exaggerating and people need to realize this. Listen up, everybody. Lawsuits are expensive. Okay. And especially you're going up against this university or is it college? College. Yeah. They're going to have tremendous resources. Mm -hmm. And each and every one of these woke individuals can put money towards this university if they want to. But the university itself has more resources than an individual. These lawsuits, when it comes to defamation, going up, going up against the establishment, you're going to spend a quarter million dollars in a couple months. A couple months. You look at just a simple defamation case. It was uh, Carl Benjamin and Akila Hughes. And I think that cost Carl... Somewhere around like 120 grand, if that. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm getting the number wrong. Court fees alone was like $40,000. Then his, he had his legal fees, his lawyer fees. And that's just two individuals going over one small defamation case. You're, you're talking about, you know, you, you filed an EEOC complaint yes. for racial discrimination. Yes. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask a couple questions. Are you, are, you, are, are you allowed to talk about this? Are you going to be filing a suit privately outside of the EEOC? Uh, that remains to be seen. The EEOC is the first step. It's a requirement, though. Yeah. So. And then if it, so, uh, I assume when you filed your complaint, you provided testimony, a sworn affidavit. No, not yet. That doesn't happen with the EEOC. Oh, okay. Um, that would that would happen if I file a civil suit, though. What it's is EEOC? Good question. EEOC. It's the Equal Employment or. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission? Yes. <laughs> it's like a government agency? It is. And they have a state level and a federal level. And I believe in Massachusetts, where I am, it gets cross-filed with the federal government. Um, so that that is the first step. And so right now, I've, I did file the complaint, and Smith College has a certain time limit to respond. So we, we get to see how they're going to defend. We get to get a little insight into how they might defend themselves. Against these claims. So you file the complaint first. Mm -hmm. Are, is the EEOC going, assuming they take your case, did, have they, or do we know that yet, or what? Uh, well, we're waiting for, they have to wait for the... The response. Yeah, response from Smith. And then I think, I'm not a lawyer, I think they can choose to investigate it if they decide it has merit, or I don't know what their criteria is. Um, but either way, I think... I can, you can get a right to sue letter. Um, you can sue in state court or in federal, the federal level. There's a different waiting period for each. And I think you can do that regardless of whether or not the EEOC decides to investigate, but I'm not, I'm not exactly sure about that.
I'm worried that with Joe Biden coming in and, you know, the, the, the rule changes from the Department of Education that they're going to tell you to buzz off. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, there's another administrative agency called the Office of Civil Rights, the OCR. Um, and I just heard a story recently about a woman who was having similar similar situation. She's white. And so she filed a complaint with the OCR and the OCR, this was during Trump and the OCR determined that this is a hostile work. I, I forget exactly what it was, but they, they said, yeah, this is wrong. Whatever's going on in this workplace is wrong. And they issued a letter to the employer and they said, here's, here are the steps you need to do to correct the situation. It wasn't even like she was, get, I don't think she was suing from, it wasn't even a lawsuit for money or anything. It was just like fix the situation. And then um, Biden moved into office and the OCR rescinded oh. that. Yep. I think that was in the New York post recently, that story. Um, so it, it, that is concerning. I mean, as you know, he rescinded Trump's EO, which was essentially just restating what's we, we have a civil rights act of 1964. It was just restating it really. I'll tell you <laughs> what I think one of the problems is a lot of conservatives seem to think that Donald Trump needed to do all the work for him. And not, not, not just conservatives. Conservatives had been the one paying attention to this more than than liberals were. Like, you know, in, in the story you told, you were kind of unaware of what's going on. I told a similar story in 2014. Conservatives have seen this and have been railing on it for some time. Then moderates got roped in and now many liberals, people like Barry Weiss, for instance, are complaining about what happened at the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And you have anti-woke leftists even now criticizing the establishment and what they call neoliberalism. The problem is a lot of conservatives thought Donald Trump was the answer. I'm not saying every single one, or at least they thought Trump would be some kind of assistance. And they're not entirely wrong. Trump did come in and he did eventually sign, you know, uh, enact this executive order. But it took what James Lindsay and Christopher Rufo going on, you know, shows Christopher Rufo going on Tucker Carlson mm -hmm. and saying this is a problem for Trump to enact this what in the last several months of office. The issue is these government agencies had been doing absolutely racist practices. In one instance, there was like, I think it was, there was a certain laboratory sent all the white people on a retreat to like talk about whiteness and white privilege and why it's, you know, bad and things like that. We've seen many stories like that. Christopher Rufo documents all of these, you know, and there's a bunch of examples. Every single one of those people needed to file a lawsuit. They needed to do what you are doing right now. So what ends up happening is we have years of this and we have many people complaining about it. But where are the people actually filing the suits, challenging these these institutions on, was it Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act? You cannot discriminate on the basis of race and, and, and gender and, and national origin and things like that. When I saw Donald Trump was enacting this executive order, I thought to myself, he shouldn't have to do this. Mm -hmm. It's already illegal. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. We had a leftist on this show who argued that Trump was banning you know free speech and that it was wrong to do this. And I'm like... It's already illegal to do these programs. You cannot take a bunch of white people off to a retreat and tell them white people are bad. That violates the law. The law says race. The law doesn't say marginalized groups. You can argue the spirit or the intent, but it doesn't matter. We have these laws for a reason. Joe Biden has come in, rescinded the executive order, and it doesn't change the fact it's still illegal. That means every single person who works in the government, works in these universities, or is affected by the wokeness needs to be filing a lawsuit today against these institutions for what they're doing. Why aren't they doing it? Well, we talked about money. That's true. That's a huge thing. I mean, really, it's even before that. The question is why... 
I mean, I, I feel like more people are speaking out, but I mean, people don't even talk about it, let alone file a lawsuit. I mean, that's like a big, that's a big step. That's a commitment. And litigation is difficult. Um, we do have some other lawsuits going on in this country though. We, we have, uh, uh, Clark versus Clark v. Democracy Prep in Nevada, which is a school case. Uh, it's a K through 12 charter school. Uh, uh, the Gabrielle's son is a senior and he was, uh, forced. I mean, they, they said they would give him a D minus if he didn't profess his, is, is this the biracial? Yes. So we actually have he looks this. white. He's like you. <laughs> well, the, the, that's, that's a, that's a really, there's a really funny thing about that. Uh, whether I'm white appearing or not depends on the, the race of the individual. No joke. Hmm. So in my experience, I've, I've, I've been called Hispanic more than anything else. Latino. I had a guy at Occupy Wall Street refer to me as his Puerto Rican brother. And I'm like, bro, I'm not Hispanic. I mean, I know like the tiny bit of Spanish because I grew up in Chicago. But I, I was in uh, Anaheim and I had the guys from Telemundo walk up to me speaking Spanish, just assuming I was, you know, Latino to, to a certain extent. And so it, it really is in the eye of the beholder. The funny thing is, if I agree with the woke, all of a sudden they can see that I'm not white. And they, they say, see, it's because you understand. If I disagree with them, mm. they say, you're white. That's, that's, that's the name of the game. Yeah, because it's, it's not really about skin color, is it? It's about politics. Yeah, it's about whether you, you are in the cult or not. So, so let, let me jump to the story. We have this from the Atlanta Black Star. They say black mom sues school after she says biracial son received failing grade in sociology class for refusing to confess his white dominance. A black mom is suing her biracial son's Nevada charter school after she claims he received a failing grade for refusing to link aspects of his identity to oppression and dominance in a sociology class. Gabrielle Clark and her son, William Clark, filed a suit in U.S. District Court of Nevada against public charter school democracy prep Agassi campus in Vegas on December 22nd alleging a violation of constitutional free speech and due process rights. William Clark claims that in that class, sociology of change taught by Catherine Bass, who was named as a defendant in the suit, he was harassed and punished for refusing to attach derogatory labels to aspects of his identity. Clark, whose deceased father was white, is generally regarded as white by his peers, according to the complaint, and has green eyes and blondish hair. The far-right advocacy group International Organization for the Family, which has been attracting the case closely, reports that a U.S. District Court judge said at a February 22nd temporary restraining order hearing, I think William is likely to succeed on the merits of his compelled speech claims, saying that the defendants will have to find a way to justify the critical race theory curriculum under a strict scrutiny test, adding that's a very high bar to meet. In the class taught by Bass, a self-described white Irish American citizen, Clark was allegedly forced to reveal his race, gender, sexual and religious identities and attach labels to the identities, which the lawsuit claims violated his right to privacy. An instructional slide included in court documents displays dominant groups in American culture as white, male, middle, upper class, heterosexual and Protestant Christian, while everyone else is categorized as submissive. Labels like white are associated with bass, are associated by bass with privilege, while words like female and working class are associated with oppressive it's really twisted, Whoa. this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a particularly egregious, <clears throat> but this is happening all over the place, you know, um, and Ga Gabrielle Clark stood up and said, no, no, thanks. I'm not I'm not going to do this. I was given a similar one of my uh, colleagues was like, 
uh, offered to help uh, educate me and I, I took her up on it. I was like, okay, um, I'm going to, I'm going to have an open mind. And she handed me a worksheet and it did have that, the oppressed, it was two columns, oppressed and, um, sub, and it was dominant group and subordinated group. And the dominant group only had like one thing, like race was white, gender, <laughs> male, <laughs> religion, Christian, you know, and, and then over here you had all like everybody else in the entire world. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I was a um, very reductionist view of the world, but that sounds, it's very similar to what uh, William experienced. And I believe, I think he was the only white presenting person in, in his class too, which made it especially. Have you taken, have you ever taken the privilege test where it's like a slider bar and it's like, how white are you? How Christian are you? How old are you? Oh, What's the intersectionality income? score. Yeah. Thing? Something like that. And then it's Online. like, you are 74 <laughs> points privileged out of a hundred. You are very privileged or whatever. Yeah. That's basically what they're doing. Uh, have you ever seen that, that image of the three people staying at the fence for the equality yes, versus equity? Of course. The, the amazing thing about that is, is it's manipulation. It's the, the insidiousness of it where they show that to children and they explain very simply, Hey, we can give, you know, one of the one of the boxes from the tall guy to the short guy so they can all see, right? Well, that's simple. It makes sense. But what happens when you're dealing with race and orientation and national origin and religion? Mm -hmm. It's impossible to quantify how standing on top of religion allows you to see a baseball game. So these are the kinds of manipulative tactics they use where you kind of understand it. But here's here's what I truly despise about this. That equality versus equity argument is about wealth, not race. The person who everyone who gets access to a, 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 a box to stand on is their access to resources. Giving the shorter person two boxes is giving them access to resources to help them. The argument that we actually need to be having is about class issues. Well, they, they do mention working class and middle upper class as part of the oppression scale. But when they when they make everything about your race, that that, in my opinion, is meant to disrupt actual What's the, what's the right word for it? I guess social justice, real social justice. Oprah all of a sudden becomes oppressed. She's a billionaire. And then a white homeless veteran is now an oppressor because he's white. Yeah, it's like saying Oprah Winfrey has more in common with um, somebody living in, is it East? Like the Marcy Projects in New York. Yeah, than, than a, a wealthy white person. I right. mean, clearly that's a false... <laughs> But that's the, that's that's the kind of narrative they use. Like they 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 used it with Serena Williams, when she had. Uh, so she's the famous tennis player. When she had a bout of rage, you know, with all due respect, she got angry and she like bounced her tennis racket or something like that. They 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 penalized her for it, and then there was this big narrative that mm. the only reason they did it was because she was a black woman and that they were basically attacking her as the trope of the angry black woman, mm -hmm. as opposed to the fact that she just acted out in violation of the rules and to act like one of the most famous celebrated and wealthy athletes in the world is in any way oppressed is is just shockingly i don't know ignorant in my opinion but i i think it's part of the weaponization that we see from a lot of people i mean heaven forbid there's a large push towards you know stripping away the resources of corrupt politicians who somehow make millions of dollars off of their office when they're getting a salary for 174000 a year and then all of a sudden become worth $50 million or $5 million or whatever, they don't want you to come after them. So they'll say, hey, don't look at me. It's the, uh, 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 it's the, the white guy. Go yell at that guy in the gutter who's, you know, shoveling garbage for a living. He's the real oppressor. They teach it in yeah, schools. Yeah, just like uh, Jackie Blair 
is the, the, the dining person who was falsely accused is the, <laughs> the real oppressor. Yeah. Uh, the janitor. Yeah. It, it makes it, this is truly, I mean, people say it all the time, this divide in Congress, like it makes it impossible for us to organize along class lines. And really, if we were really talking about power, if that's the conversation we want to have, then we need to be talking about class. Definitely. I see it. It's really interesting. Donald Trump called for $2,000 checks for everybody in the stimulus, and it was the Republican Party that said no. Mm. And it shows you that Donald Trump really was an insurgent in the Republican Party. They did not like what he had, what he had to offer. And then after Donald Trump says $2,000 checks, Joe Biden's like, 1400 You know, he's like, okay, so we're, we already gave you the 600 We're only going to give you 1400 right now. But there's something interesting about Trump supporters and left populists in that I don't think Trump supporters care all that much about billionaires. I, I think... There's certainly a conservative argument against giving the government too much power. So when they talk about wealth taxes, right, it's a big thing we see on the left, the Bernie Sanders crowd. They want a wealth tax. You know, I used to, I thought about this. Are you, are you familiar with the wealth tax? Um, is that Yang? It's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth oh, Warren. Oh, okay. Yes, right. The billionaire tax or something. The, the, like the way it works is they treat wealth like property and tax a percentage of your hard wealth you got to pay for. Now, I've been very critical of this because it makes literally no sense. You know, Jeff Bezos, for instance, I think his total income from Amazon is like $1.3 million per year. His net worth, however, is like $160 billion or whatever or more at this point because Amazon's, you know, gaining a lot of value because of the pandemic. But he can't sell that stock. There's like thresholds and contractual agreements to where he can finally liquidate some of those assets. That means what? If they implement this wealth tax... They're like, Bezos will pay, you know, $3 billion a year, but he's worth, you know, a hundred and something billion. And it's like, okay, well, where does that billion dollars come from? The government doesn't want stock in Amazon and he can't give it up anyway. It's a violation of the contract. The wealth tax makes no sense. He doesn't have the cash to actually pay for it. We hear a lot from the left. Well, then he should sell his assets. I'm like, he legally can't. The wealth tax makes no sense. At this point, however, I'm kind of like, I don't care. Do it. Let's see what happens. I don't care about Jeff Bezos, Mackenzie Bezos. The only thing where I'm kind of like, I don't know, Elon Musk probably deserves to have a lot of money because that guy's building starships and Starlink and other useful things. Bezos, I don't like. Soros, I don't like. The Koch brothers, the Mercers, any one of these billionaires, I don't like. I think they flood money into politics. They, they, they subvert the will of the working class. And I think many Trump supporters would much prefer working class individuals have their say so as opposed to billionaires, namely George Soros, who they criticize all the time. But I think we can throw out all the names of, all, of Tom Steyer, Michael Bloomberg, left-wing billionaires, right-wing billionaires. I don't care for any one of these billionaires. I think we do need to have a reckoning on class mm -hmm. issues. The problem is critical race theory disrupts that. The culture war disrupts that. And I think we have a really strong opportunity right now with Biden in office to actually look at some of these anti-woke leftists, many socialists and progressives, and be like, which part can we agree on where we think the billionaires are disrupting the will of the working class? And kind of like put a stop to that. You know what I mean? I think, and we've mentioned this many times, critical race theory was introduced by powerful interests who knew it could distract the masses and create a fight that protects them. Right? So there's this comic we love to reference on the show where it's a rich guy in his office. Everything's really pretty. Outside is an Occupy Wall Street protester holding a big sign saying Occupy Wall Street. And the rich guy's on the phone smiling saying, introduce them to identity politics. And that's really what it feels like. Because I was at Occupy when this happened. It went from, you know, people like Luke Rutkowski, who was on the show for a couple of months. Maybe he'll come back. We'll see. Luke, where are you at? Luke. <laughs> where are you at? Uh, but he's, 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 he's a center-right libertarian. I'm center-left libertarian. But we agree on these libertarian issues, not liking the elites, the authoritarians. 
And we met at Occupy Wall Street because these people were down there until the critical race theorists show up and started segregating people based on race. And then you saw people leave and get angry. That was the, the ultimate slap in the face and the insult, especially to a lot of younger, white, idealistic individuals who are now being told it was their fault. And they're like, yo, I'm here at Occupy Wall Street with you. It's like, too bad. That happened to me, literally. I went to Occupy Wall Street with the Constitution. I was going to read it. And uh, they were like, hey, the news is here. I was like, oh, good. I'll go get on the news and tell them about the Constitution and how we need to break the Federal Reserve up. They're like, no, there's too many white people have spoken to the news. I just <laughs> lost my mind. I got on stage and screamed that I'm not white. And then no one is black or white. These shades don't exist in our pigmentation or our skin color. And people looked at me like dumbfounded. That's and then the next girl that went up was like, I am a black woman who, and I was just like, I give up on this. I give up. I can't, I can't fight the crowd. You have to find another way. But man, it is being silenced, not the answer. It was a, it was a brilliant attack vector, in my opinion, accusing people who oppose racism of being the true racists. Yeah. yeah, you know, the other problem is the left-right thing. Um, just the massive fear of of people on the... And I, I know th these the terms are probably are meaningless. That's kind of the point. But people or classical liberals, right, who are on the left, who are like, the ground has now shifted. Well, hold on. Classical liberal is a right-wing position. Yeah. So, right. so, so people confuse the tradition, like the actual classical liberalism of like John Locke with saying... 90s democrat liberal you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah. so right so, and left is another attack vector thing right doesn't really exist well it, yeah well, it, it does it, yeah. it, 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 it does those words to divide but the us. colloquialisms of left and right are confused and meaningless so there's social liberalism which is like democrats in the 90s sent slightly that's left. what i mean social liberalist social liberalism right like, it's so okay this is this is the liberalism of like martin luther king jr Expanded civil rights, yeah. civil rights protections, and social programs. But mm -hmm. social li liberalism is not social social democracy or democratic socialism or socialism. Social liberalism is like center left, meaning some programs sometimes. And then classical liberalism is like not that many programs, but maybe yeah, a little that's bit. right. Classical liberalism is like smaller government. Yeah, right? it's it's very and, much like, like libertarianism. Yeah, and then social liberalism is you think we should have the 1964 Civil Rights Act. You think mm -hmm. unemployment benefits and a social safety net is a good thing. My, mm -hmm. I, I do. I believe all of those things. I just think conservatives have fair criticisms of these programs in that they become bloated, congested and corrupt over over too long. And so we need to reassess. I think and, liberal and, and conservative is another attack vector thing dividing us because I'm both. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, it really. And I see there's so many people. I mean, like, <laughs> I know you, you all know this well, but. I was still a little surprised when I went on Tucker Carlson, you know, I made my video and I, I said in my video, I'm a lifelong liberal. Mm -mm, and I went on Tucker and Tucker's like lifelong liberal, Jody Shaw. How many <laughs> emails I got um, afterwards saying, you know, I was with you, but then you went on Tucker and, and he's right wing. So I can't, I'm not for, I'm not with you anymore. Even though my message had not changed at all. And so that's when I, I realized this is a big problem is that people who otherwise um, would be able to see this stuff in their midst, the CRC stuff, and be like, "Well, this is wrong," but they're still kind of confused. If if they're they're so scared of if they go off part the script of being associated with the right, and that fear is so big. I mean, there's like it's like an epithet 
to be called right wing to to some lib- to some liberals identity politics to say i am a fill in the blank is identity politics to say i am mm. center is identity politics i am left identity i am a democrat identity po- this identity crap yes we there, need to we need to drop it <laughs> there's a quote from andrew breitbart that uh, i think you should hear i wonder what your opinion is on andrew breitbart i don't familiar? know yes he's a he Breitbart magazine, right? Uh, Steve website, he, he, he passed some years ago, but he said, walk toward the fire. Don't worry about what they call you. All those things are set against you because they want to stop you in your tracks. But if you keep going, you're sending a message to people who are rooting for you, who are agreeing with you. The message is that they can do it too. Love it. There was another quote, which was either a derivative of this or spawned from it, where that, you know, I've often misattributed to Breitbart, but it's similar. Walk towards the fire. People think that once you get to the fire, you'll be burned. But in reality, you'll pass through and see freedom on the other side. Yeah, I've heard that quote before. That's true. I think that I've experienced that. So these people are scared. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of like, uh, you know, moderate leftist personalities and how I shouldn't say leftist, like traditional and classical liberal types that are absolutely terrified of finding themselves in a in, in league with conservatives, yes. but if you live that way, then you're living on your knees. So I don't care. I I I, I had a uh, there's there's probably some hit piece coming out against uh, about me soon probably, and I get this thing where they're like Tim Pool has hosted Alex Jones and Enrique Tarrio, <laughs> and these people they, they, they like to do this thing where they're like here's a photo of Tim Pool sitting down at a bar with the alt right, <laughs> and I'm like uh huh, and I don't care. I really don't. I've, you know, they, they, they come at me and they're like, can you explain this photo, Tim? Yeah, I talk to people. That, that's about it. I'll talk to whoever I feel like talking about. I don't care about what they call me. I don't care about what they think. I literally do not care. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. And, and if you do, you are being held back because they have no control over you. They don't. Now, look, I get it. I think there's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to lose my job. I'm comfortable. But if you think keeping your head down will keep you safe, you are wrong. They will come for you eventually. I mean, you kind of explained that in your story before where you thought if you just went along with things and kind of kept your head down, is that, yeah. you, that's, that's how you felt. Yeah, they will come for you. I mean, these, I, I, you can't, it's, it's getting to a point where you are, it's compelled. I mean, look at the Clark v. Democracy. That's about compelled speech. This is now, we are now not talking about like suppression of speech. We're talking about they're, you're going to be asked to say things that you do not necessarily believe in as a continued condition of your employment or you're getting a good grade. You're going to lose your job unless you bend the knee. So if mm-hmm. you would rather live on your knees than, than, than fight on your feet, well, then so be it. That's what you deserve and it's what you want and far be it from me to criticize but you for no, doing it. No, you should criticize because that lends to the problem. It, it exacerbates the problem. No. Don't do it. Listen, I'm not here to recreate the environment they've created. They want to create this environment where they terrify you into dropping to your knees. I don't want to create an environment where you're terrified of my side. I'm going to tell you this. You do your thing. If you do right, I've got your back. But if you want to live on your knees, I'm not going to criticize you or pressure you. I mean, no, no, I'll, I will. I'll, I'll criticize you. I'll criticize you. But I'm not going to create the same environment where you are not welcome. If you want to live in this world where you are at the behest of the woke cult with no real ideology, just strange, do as the tribe says or else. That's up to you. You're welcome to come on the show. If you we'll want to taste it. it. Yeah. If you want to taste it and then come tell your personal story about how bad it sucked, go for it. But don't do it. Get I up think, off your feet. 
I think it's very simple. Off your knees. I I grew up, I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> off your toes. Off your toes. <laughs> I I grew up super far left. I was a skateboarder. I was an anarchist. I was listening to all the punk rock music, and then like I I thought the system. I hated the system. I had been I had been messed with by cops before, so I was all just like cops are corrupt. The system is broken. This is you know it's terrible. The war machine. And then I got older and realized there's nuance and ways to deal about deal with these problems. But having grown up kind of in not necessarily the gutter, but in a sense, you know, guttery conditions. I've also been homeless a couple of times. There's nothing anyone can take from me. I don't care. You have nothing over me. Oh, you can take my job away. So what? What's the worst case scenario? Been there, done that. I'm not worried about it. And so I'm free to speak my mind. I'm not scared. But there are a lot of people who are scared because they're going to lose everything. Well, also because there's that fire, you know, this fear. It's not just about losing your job. It's about literally being cast out of your herd. And I think that's partially, <laughs> I'm smirking. I think partially that's why this ideology is so effective. It hooks into this. That's a primal fear. Like getting uh, cast, well, you're going to get eaten by a lion. Exactly. You, humans yeah. are Bash. social. Shaming. And, yes. We are, a, we, are, a, we are social creatures. We survive with cooperation. So mm-hmm. when you're out on your own, you are in a very risky position. But together, we're strong. Mm-hmm. The threat is you will be excised. Well, let me tell everybody who's listening. There's very clearly an infrastructure built where you will survive opposing the cult of wokeness. We're all here. We're having a good time. In fact, I got to tell you, I'm doing all right for myself. I love when they try claiming grifter, right? I'm, I'm sure they call you a grifter because you raised all this money. Yes. What's easier? Losing your job freaking out your friends, becoming a social pariah in your in your industry, in your community, or going along, pushing the narrative and just milking it for all it's worth. What's safer? Being a woke neoliberal leftist promoting Joe Biden and the Democrat message to make money on the platforms that will you have no risk of being banned for or challenging the system and facing real risk of getting your, your shows deleted every single day or getting fired from your job and crossing your fingers that there will be people who agree with you to donate to your GoFundMe. They call you a grifter, yet at the same time, they do literally the same thing, plus they have institutional support. Not only do these woke leftists who try and pull some BS at schools, they've, they've raised $80,000 in several instances. They've raided te- raised tens of thousands of dollars. They then get propped up by magazines, by newspapers. Mm-hmm. These same people can appear on Jimmy Kimmel and these late night shows. They're not going to do that for you. Tucker Carlson will. And then people will get freaked out. So which is easier? You want to talk about the real grift? It's the YouTubers who are on the left. It's the YouTubers who tow the, the party the party line and the establishment line, knowing they will never get banned for this and have nothing to worry about and can milk it for all it's worth, even when they put out fake news. The real risk, they call it the grift. They're only saying that because they want to stop you dead in your tracks, like Breitbart said. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking out against the establishment is as risky as you can get, because we know People get banned. They get shut down. I mean, GoFundMe froze your account mm-hmm. for for an administrative reason, mind you. But GoFundMe has deleted the, the 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 fundraisers for many conservatives. It's not it's not it's not a grift. Yeah, it's interesting though how it gets framed. You're talking about these other YouTubers, these social justice warriors. They frame it as if they're counterculture. They're they're fighting against the power, you know. And it's like they don't. I don't know if. It's hard for me to believe that they don't understand that they are part of the power, that, that this well, is the establishment. They are literally the power. <laughs> it's like, since when, was, since when was the group aligned with the, the major political parties, well, the Democrats at least, and like Coca-Cola, the resistance? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. You know, Coca-Cola and Nike and, you know, the, the company. the ACLU. Using- I mean, every, just about every major institution in this country and every, every major news outlet, just about mainstream media. I really, really love wokeness in these companies that use slave labor because it's just like, they're like, we're here because we think racism is wrong. Meanwhile, they're literally operating sweatshops that pay like a quarter an hour or whatever. Just like yeah. awful conditions, hiring paramilitary groups to go in and suppress <laughs> workers' rights groups in yeah. foreign countries. Well, those, those amazing. Obviously, I, that's not a principled stance. That's just business tactics. But I mean, I often wonder about, you know, the true believers. Um, I remember at Smith, I could kind of get in. I mean, I talked to a lot of people in hallways, but I could kind of, if you, you know, you can kind of tell who the true believers are. You kind of just get a vibe, you know, when you, when you're talking about the stuff and the the eye contact, some, I think it's a very small percentage. I don't think there is such a thing as true believers. Well, God does. No, no. I think there's just like mindless tribal zealots and what they, what they really believe is it, look, there's nothing to believe in critical race theory. The theory itself makes no sense. I'll give you an example. Six months ago, Asians were white. They were, they were, they were called white adjacent. They were called literally white. The argument was that white is a social structure and not a race. Therefore, Asians were white. We were joking on this show in response to the narrative. I was double white. Well, then something changed. And now, you know, these, these hate crimes started happening because of the, you know, the COVID stuff and for a variety of reasons. Now there's the stop Asian hate movement, which good mind you. I respect that. I think hate crimes are wrong. But now all of a sudden, Asians are minorities again. So what happened is you have some individuals. There's one woman who at her at her school, she's a member of a school board, I think, in like Sacramento, was disparaging Asians, calling them racial slurs. Well, because it was allowed in 2016, Asians were white. Universities were discriminated against them legally because they were overprivileged. Now that that's changed, they're calling for her resignation. But she's a black woman. So there are people like James Lindsay who point out when a black you know woman is getting canceled for Racism towards Asian, the structure is inverting. It's like collapsing on itself. I don't necessarily think it's collapsing. I think it's just proof that there are literally no ideals or principles, and they can change on a dime to fit the needs of the cult. So they'll say six months ago, well, no, Asians aren't actually minorities. They're privileged white people that make tons of money, and they go to universities. Hate crimes happen. Now it's beneficial to them again. They change the narrative and sacrifice their own zealots who believe their own narratives. So there's, there's, there's no core ideology. There's no true believers, just tribal zealots who will do whatever the tribe says, which is why it's very difficult to interview these people outside of their safe spaces. Do you think that's why I've been wondering about the popularity of zombie movies for a long time? <laughs> <laughs> and I, right, right to the analogy. I think, <laughs> I think I've been wondering like, why are po- zombie movies so popular? I started thinking this a few years ago and now I'm like, hmm, maybe. Maybe it has something to do with this. They have a yeah. deep down. They have a desire to just be the zombie. <laughs> they wa- like so. W- we all watch zombie movies terrified, and they watch it longingly, <laughs> like oh, to be a zombie and um, just not have a brain anymore and not C- have to think. The CDC's been putting out zombie stuff about zombies, and like I think it's a dehumanization effort. Maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously. I don't know, but like I think that's a joke. If people start starving and and are on the street eating other human bodies because they're starving to death. And then it's like, it's okay to kill them because they're zombies. I think CDC is trying to be silly and put out a joke. Yeah, like in the Holdemir and in uh, the USSR in like the, I don't know, was it 30s or 40s or something, 50s maybe, that people were starving to death and eating uh, humans. And it was, you know, that happens. Um, So 
I think that it is a desensitization movement. Maybe not. Maybe it's intentional. I never thought it was before. I think you're reading way too much into it. Yeah, joke. it's so weird that I went so deep on that. I don't know. I think there's something, there is something incredibly dehumanizing about CRT. Definitely. Um, it's, it create it makes us into, it de- reduces us to racial objects or commodities even. It, it, it treats you like a member of a hive collective that has no individuality. And, and that, right. it, it's really interesting. It's almost like invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. These these people almost just, I mean, they obviously care about themselves. They want power for themselves, but they get sacrificed. Like I mentioned, that that woman on the school board now being told to resign because of anti Asian, you know, racism. They don't care. The hive will 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 cut off whatever it needs to to gain power. So when you join this, you are quite literally a mindless cog, a mindless gnat swarming in the hive, whose strength is derived from each individual cog. But they'll they'll swat you and, and destroy you. I was thinking about so. Well, well, the interesting thing is, I wonder, I wonder about this. You know, I think there is a th- th- there are a lot of lines as to what divides the culture war: authoritarian versus libertarian, nationalist versus globalist, collectivist versus individualist, and ideologue versus like pragmatist or things like this. And there's there's no clear dividing line. They all play a role in this. But I will say, there are many people who are. When you say true believers, I don't think they actually believe in anything other than they're a part of the cult. Mm. So that, that's why I want to clarify. They obviously believe in the cult, but there's no real ideology or principles to believe in. The structure is amorphous and makes mm-hmm. little sense, but they are propped up by cowards, by people who say, I'm going to keep my head down and I'll be fine. They won't be. They'll sacrifice their own. Obama called it a circular firing squad. So they're, they're, they're only propped up by two groups of people, in my opinion. For one, they have their ranks for sure. But the two people are those who are mindless, ignorant to what's going on. They have no idea. And so they're just like, I don't know, whatever. They're, you see these people on Twitter saying cancel culture is not real. And there's like twi- regular people I see like on Instagram. There was a, a there's a skateboarding account, uh, one of the most prominent in the world called the Barracks. And they tweeted, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? And I saw some like 17 year old kid who's like a skateboarder saying cancel culture is not real. The kid has no idea what he's talking about. His photos were like fishing and skateboarding. Clearly, he's not experienced or watched anything that's going on. So he genuinely doesn't believe it. And so he jumps in and defends them ignorantly. But then you have people who know exactly what's happening and are like, well, I'd rather be on this side because I think they're going to win. In the end, they won't. But they're hoping that when the dust settles and the conflict ends, I'll tell you this. These people have one thing right. We, we, the people who believe in individual liberties and freedoms uh, and civil rights, we're the good guys. Historically, the ones who fought for civil rights, freedom, liberty, etc. have always been the good guys, at least in recent history. And they know if we win, they'll be fine. What are we going to do? You know, some, some woke person comes out and goes, I, I was wrong about being woke. I'm so sorry. Yep. Guess what? All the anti-woke people are going to be like, thank you. But what happens to the anti-woke should the woke win? What do you think? Yeah, you, 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 I saw that, that, that the grimace. grimace. The, the grimace. Yeah, it's not just what's going to happen to the anti-woke, it's going to ha- happen to the woke, too. Absolutely. I mean, we so, see cultural revolutions. I mean, they, all the intelligentsia. I'll, I'll call this gone. the, uh, uh, it's something I've brought up before, but I'll call it the intersectionalist wager. If you are anti-woke and the anti-woke win, you're fine. If you are woke and the anti-woke win, you are fine. But if you are woke, and the and the uh, if you are if you are woke and the woke win you're at risk but 
you're going to keep your head down. Hopefully you'll be safe. But if you're anti-woke and the woke win, they'll they'll come for you and they'll destroy your life. So ultimately, you look at this equation and you have many people saying the safer bet is to pretend to be woke because in the event that the anti-woke side wins, they're not going to do anything bad to me. But if you challenge wokeness, the woke will absolutely destroy you. I think it's a bad bet. I agree. I, I think more importantly, whether it's a bad bet or not, I think there's reasons to believe it is. I just think it's morally unsound. And I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And how about another great, great quote from uh, Zapata? Or was that what's his name? Zapato? What was his name? Emilio, Emilio Zapatista. Oh, that weird last name, yeah. He said, uh, I would rather be a slave to principles than a slave to men. Hmm. And that guy's a leftist. That, was, that guy was a socialist revolutionary. But those quotes are, 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 are meaningful. So I wonder, will you just bend the knee and be a servant to this cult? You know, I was thinking about identity because I was talking poorly about it earlier about like, I'm on the left, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Democrat, whatever. And it's, it's insanity to, to like stake who you are based off of some label. But in the same rate, I'm a Crossland. That's my last name. I'm a human. I'm a human. That's, a, that's an identity. I'm playing identity games when I say I'm a human. Identity is but, a real thing, dude. Yeah. And it keeps us sane. So uh, these people are like finding sanity in identifying with a group. Now, I think it's too, I think it's too meticulous to say I, the color of the skin has starts to have to do with it because I think it's more of um, a class issue. Personally, like Gandhi, he revolted against the white British imperialists, but he was revolting against the conquest and the capitalizing of his country. It wasn't didn't matter what color the skins were. Now, hopefully, I think we can take that moving forward. I wish I had something more uh, profound I to say after that. Awesome, you, you, you go of Gandhi. Listen, when you go back far enough and. Nations and cultures were divi- were divided by race, like countries were literally a group of people who were one race. It's easy to see how racism emerged because they were like, I know who's in my country and who will protect me. And that person looks different. But we're now in an era of you can fly across the planet in a matter of hours. We, we live in a country that's the great American melting pot. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream was correct. His point was correct. The civil rights movement was correct. In order for us to now function in this in this amazing new reality, we have to treat people. We have to we have to treat them uh, based on the content of their character and the color of their skin or their political affiliation. Well, I, I disagree. I think why uh, Nazis? <laughs> yeah, but okay. not all no, Nazis no, no. were evil. Oh come on! No, Dude. just because they identified <laughs> no, 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 with no. that party didn't make them evil. Some of them like hated the violence. If you are a cog in that machine. That is, you know, advocating for genocide. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to discriminate about, against you for it's your like politics. That, you got to say the Chinese Communist Party. A lot of those people aren't aren't evil or yes, they but they're are, just stuck dude. in that system. No, 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 no. You join the Chinese Communist Party. You well, know what they do. Of gun, at threat of gun. No, I mean, you don't. The Chinese regular citizens. Pe- regular citizens don't have to join and become party members. Well, the Chinese Communist Party is something they choose to be a part of. Listen, I think most politics I can respect within certain boundaries, but there are political factions. I don't care for, and I'm not going to defend. Yeah, true. Good point. Good point. I'm talking about the conservative liberal Absolutely. thing that Ian was referring to earlier, that uh, liberals and maybe conservatives need to get over. I, I don't think we have any hope of toppling this woke invasion unless we can link arms with each other. Yeah, I'll double down. I, I think that maybe the, the ideology of the Nazi party is dangerous, but the this individuals the, <laughs> aren't necessarily no, this just is the because problem. they affiliate with something. The problem is conservatives are not Nazis. 
and the woke left and the establishment machine claimed they were. And then they used a very natural predisposition for regular people who hate racism, bigotry and genocide. You go to a regular person and say, would you link arms with a Nazi? And they're going to say, no way. Right, they're afraid and I of completely the, agree. Well, they're afraid of the word Nazi. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a literal uniform wearing Nazi. They don't I'm, exist, dude. Okay, Ian. My point is, there are neo-Nazis with tattoos and swastikas on their chests. I will never join with them in any capacity politically. But you didn't you, you said it you were you were up in Berkeley and you met an Antifa I, guy. In, I, and he was I cool. interviewed a guy about certain things. Yeah, some guy that was Antifa, but he actually was cool. Are, are, so is that Antifa guy advocating for wiping out of people based on their race? Not that guy. But I mean a yeah. lot of those people are dangerous, but not sure. everyone that identifies with Antifa is Dude, dangerous. I don't think you understand and there's no point going in circles, so Moving on. Yeah, we'll have to do a show on this. The point I'm making is that there are political factions I will never. I, I think agree you're taking with. it too far. That's too extreme. Okay, you go. You go. Link arms with the Nazis. Congratulations, well, I mean, bro. People can be. Look at what's his no, name. Uh, never going to Daryl Davis. People there can are, be retrofitted. Dude. There, there are communists. You got people out of the Klan. There are there are hard communists and there are neo Nazis that I'm not going what to about join. Ku Klux Klan. Daryl Davis, Davis should have not done what he did. He got people to throw their robes away. Are, are, are you saying he joined them in, he, in their? Well, no, 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 no. He met with them and talked with yeah. them like I did with the alt right in 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 Portland. Yeah. I'm not saying go join the Clan. I'm saying we you are can talking communicate about with the individuals. Ian, you're not understanding the conversation. Okay, Jody is talking about linking arms with certain groups to resist wokeness. There are the Nazis were were white identitarians. Why would I join identitarians to fight identitarians? It's never going to happen. Yeah, it's it's kind of the similar thing, right? Or uh, let's call it authoritarianism. Well, th- there's um, a difference, though, right? So, well, I'm wh- sure there is <laughs> that I don't know, but look, I'm, I, th- there, there could be I'm, libertarian identitarians, and I'm not a fan of their ideology, and I think it's wrong. Granted, I'll give them more respect in not beating and caging and killing people for sure. The authoritarians are the ones who do that, but identitarianism, in my opinion, is a problem, and. There, I'm not going to. I agree. I I agree. It's a problem. Um, I guess to me, I basically when I think this this wokeness is a form of authoritarianism. It is clearly absolutely, and um, that things like and you could argue argue the same for the Nazis, neo Nazis, right? That's that's authoritarianism as well. Like that. That's the, the all anything that's identitarianism, right? Is like. Well, you, you can be, you can be a woke, uh, you can be woke and be libertarian in that you would calmly and peacefully advocate for your beliefs and say these things uh, yeah, yeah, without yeah. forcing people, yes. without insulting them, without coercing them yes. or beating them. When you see Antifa who are identitarian, because Antifa is a nebulous term. When you see leftist identitarian groups going around beating people, and many Antifa are, you know, but the flag is a, is a, is a nebulous reference to like communism, then, you know, the, the, these, you can have someone actually let me let me let me say this because I've said it before. I met a communist guy in Berkeley and he told me Antifa was wrong for beating and attacking people and that true communism would never support that. And I was like, all right, well, there you go. We can we can break bread and have a conversation. I think his That's ideology that guy is who bad. I was referencing, yeah. we, 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 I think your ideology is bad. But if you're not authoritarian, then we're all right. The problem is communism itself is arguably authoritarian because Libertari- the libertarian spectrum of the left doesn't scale up into large numbers. Anybody who truly wants a communist society will never implement it without force. It doesn't work. It doesn't scale. So libertarian versus authoritarian, I think, is a different argument. But 
a deserving one. You know, authoritarianism is bad. That's the problem. It centralizes power. It corrupts systems and it causes them to break down, which is why all of these communist countries fail. However, the Chinese Communist Party learned from the failures of these other countries, implemented capitalist policies and institutions to protect their party control and authoritarianism in their country. And they're a weird kind of pseudo communism, I guess. It's an authoritarian regime. It doesn't matter what you call it, fascist, communist, whatever. It's one party rule and they oppress their people to get what they want. Yeah, and that's why I think the left-right distinction is meaningless when authoritarianism comes to town. Left-right's kind of a luxury of a functioning democracy, or however imperfect. I think it's divide and conquer. Yeah, the communists use it. Uh, Mao used it. They talked about rightists a bunch. When you when you see Mao, when you see conservatives, and you know, right now there's a big gun control thing going on on Twitter. There was uh, Kyle Kalinsky tweeted a poll about gun control. He was like, gun control, should we have strict regulation, light regulation, no regulation, ban guns? Most of his followers said strict regulation, but a ton of his followers who are leftists said, quote, under no pretext. That is the left, the leftist version of shall not be infringed. So many people on the right will reference the Second Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And they'll quote that and they'll respond to people when talking about gun control. For the leftists, it's Karl Marx who said, under no pretext should ammunition and arms be surrendered. The working class should frustrate any attempt, even by force if necessary. So the leftists reference Marx saying, don't give up your guns. And the right references the Constitution saying, we can keep our guns. And it's interesting then, when these two factions could probably agree and have something meaningful linking arms and going against the establishment, the corporatists, the authoritarians. So I look at, you know, I, I got I got into a mini argument with Cameron Caskey, who is one of the Parkland kids, and he's very pro-gun control. But I think the general assessment is he's not really pro-gun control. He's just trolling on Twitter. So I'm like, OK, maybe I walked into that and he was trolling me. But his position is authoritarian right. The seizure of weapons, because even the authoritarian left commies are like pro-gun. There's only one faction. It's like authoritarian centrist and right leaning that want to take people's guns away. So to see like these establishment personalities basically advocating for authoritarian right wing positions. Well, there you go. You know what the problem is, I suppose. The, the, the left and the right actual, you know, populists and even the Antifa types who are authoritarian all agree we should have our guns. Karl Marx said it. You even got authoritarian left saying people can keep their guns. So how can we make that happen then? I think people can be de-radicalized. I love this Daryl Davis. Are you familiar with his story? No, is that the, was that the movie? I don't think they made a Dar- movie. Daryl Daryl Davis is a jazz musician. He's a black man, and he oh, went yeah. to Klan rallies and then yeah. talked to them and through conversation and being friends, de-radicalized them. Yeah, I knew who Daryl Davis is, but yes. uh, he quite literally opposed them every step of the way yeah. and was extremely critical of their beliefs. Yeah, you got to I mean, you got to. So there's a difference true, between yeah. linking arms with somebody and going to their face and saying you're wrong. Here's yeah, why. Yeah, not not approaching the crowd, but the individuals is a really really great story. You're gonna love it. Daryl Davis, a black man sitting in a truck with a white clan member. And the clan member made a disparaging comment about the genetics of, uh, of black people. Daryl Davis told him he was wrong. He was like, that's not true. He's like, I'm not, I'm not the way you describe, you know, black people. And he said the clan member told him, oh, it's because your, your genes are recessive. So then Daryl looks at the clan member and says, did you know that there's a gene in white people to make them predisposed to be serial killers? And the clan member was like, what? That's not true. And Daryl said, name a black serial killer. 
And then the clan guy was like, wait a minute. And then he was like, but I'm not a serial killer. And then Daryl responded, oh, it's recessive in you. And it was a really great smackdown of this guy who didn't quite understand what he was talking about. And then that guy, that's, that's one of Daryl Davis's stories. Through conversations, telling these guys you are wrong. One of, the, one of the most amazing stories he had was that he met this clan member who was a big rock and roll fan. And there was this famous car, I guess. I don't know a lot about the cars. And Daryl, being a, you know, a well-known musician, was like, oh, yeah, I can get you to, to go and check out that car. I can get you into that you know, museum, whatever, to see it and like sit in it or whatever. And this clan guy all of a sudden was like, no way. Daryl brings him to this, I guess it was a museum or whatever, and he gets to see this legendary vehicle from a rock and roll legend. And this clan guy just had this profound moment where he was like, I can't believe it. You know, everything they were telling us was not true. Daryl Davis just did this, like made his life like it was a dream come true. And it was a, it was, you know, a black guy who did it. The racist narratives are lies. And so I challenge, I question anybody who's trying to divide us and make us fight each other. And I really do think a large component is powerful, special interests, elites, billionaires, the billionaires and the millionaires who have an interest in making us fight each other instead of them when they're dumping hundreds of millions of dollars like Tom Steyer into our elections to subvert our rights. And he did. Steyer was flooding, flooding the zone with all this money to strip away our right to bear arms. And leftists and conservatives agree we have a right to do that. That's the problem. Bernie's right about that. I wish he was more vocal on the millionaire's part. I guess he's bringing it back. So, all right. But that, that story you told, I mean, Daryl Davis, that was an individual. Those were individual conversations. Yep. It's not like he was up in front of a group trying to convince the whole group. The part of it is getting people out of the the you called it a cult, <laughs> getting them alone, I guess, and developing a, a relation, humanizing, humanizing the other side. I guess, it, right? If it's a non-theistic yeah. religion. So when I, I was talking to James Lindsay, Peter Bogosian, and Helen Pluckrose a few years ago when they did the Sokol Squared thing, and the way Peter Bogosian described it was, it's a religion. And when people said there's no deity, and he says, Buddhism doesn't have a deity either. Mm. So it's a non-theistic religion. They they follow. It's very similar. They have, you know, they shun the disbelievers. There's some form of confession, I guess, that doesn't seem to work. Original sin. Yeah, there's original yep. sin. Privilege. I got, I got a feeling it's like a dam built up with like this energy flow that's blockaded by this like racist or, uh, ideology. And if you chip away at it piece by piece, like person by person and have the conversations, eventually it cracks and bursts open and there will be a flood of like this energy that we're trying to free this yeah, it's like a house of cards. Like it, it just pull out a few. You know is that problem? what you're talking about? Yeah. You know what the problem is? <laughs> We're the good what? guys. We're playing by the rules. Huh. We're trying to be honest. We're trying to recognize our own faults. And our goodwill is being exploited by con artists, deceivers, manipulators, and zealots. They can cheat because they don't care. To them, the ends justify the means. To us, we're trying to create a better world so they can exploit that goodwill. They can exploit free speech. For instance... I, for instance, have defended the free speech of the left and the right. And I love it when they post, we're all the conservatives defending the free speech of, you know, the BDS movement. And I'm like, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, you know, or I'm, I'm the free speech individual, not, not the conservative or anything. But they don't, they don't return the, the same favor. When uh, a good example, when uh, a, a journalist of the New York Times was being heavily criticized by all these outlets, the media calls it a, a harassment campaign. When the mm -hmm. same media then targets a harassment campaign against conservative individuals, they all laugh and gloat. So I can sit here and be like, stop name dropping people to drive, you know, a flood of emails their way. It's a waste of time. Criticize the institutions. It's meaningless to them. They don't care. They're not going to praise me. They're going to respect me for doing that. But I do it because it's the right thing to do. 
they won't return that, which means we are at a very serious disadvantage. Yeah, it's it's an information war, really. I like internet video because you can reach individuals in mass. Yeah, the internet vi- Yeah, the video I made was was did very well in terms of views. Like a lot of people saw it and resonated with it, and I'm very happy um, that I I hear from people now who are saying, you know, that was that helped me. Um, and I, I don't think everyone can just wake up and make a video, but I, I always tell people, uh, you can, part of what Helen Pluckrose is doing right with counterweight, counterweight support. This is an organization in the UK that helps people affected by woke ideology in their, in their workplace or their school is that she has a community there where people can talk to other people and essentially deprogram. Because when you're in an environment when, where you're sitting at a table and somebody says, you know, rich white women, rich white women, and nobody does, says anything, you kind of you kind of think maybe I'm crazy. Maybe like you start to doubt uh, what's what's reality, what's real. And, and you start to think, am I racist? Like, because I think that's unprofessional or so I think it's really important to, to find at least one other person you can talk to to get a reality check. And and that's counterweight does that really well. And I. I think we need more ways to find each other. So when people do speak out, they become like lightning rods, you know, like emails pour in. Jonathan Kay, the Quillette journalist, was talking about this, about how whenever he publishes an article about higher education, all these faculty and students write to him and say, hey, here's my story and I can't and I'm afraid. And so it's like they need a way to find each other, like instead of just going to the, the one person who spoke out. We, we don't have any infrastructure to support. I mean, our entire infrastructure has been captured. We don't have any infrastructure to support these people. And, and that's part, that's a we're, major problem. We're starting to, we're, it's starting to get built. It's you starting know? to get built. Yeah. yeah. Decentralized too. So that central servers can't shut you down. Cause that stuff, if it threatens the narrative, they'll try and pull the plug. Yeah. I heard about that. There's somebody working on, there's a lot Some of cool software, stuff. We're working on RSS right? three. There's PocketNet is doing yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, they sponsor the show periodically. Very cool decentralized apps. Mines has something called um, Nomad. That's kind of a project that Mines is working on. There's a lot. I mean, the decentralized movement is huge right now. Um, that's you got to look very out. helpful. Yeah, <laughs> ISPs are still centralized, which is a problem. So we'll have to eventually yep. build a decentralized ISP, Internet Service mm-hmm. Provider. I think the infrastructure gets built when we get people to just stand up for themselves and start building it. And so long as there are people who are cowering in fear, understanding what's happening, but not wanting to stick their necks out, then, you know, there you go. Another good one's Odyssey. It's like a decentralized data flow service. They specialize in video right now. It's, it's, it's almost like, it's like the matrix in a lot of ways. Yeah. How can we get more people to stand out? I know Aaron Kins, Kinsvater, Kinsvater, Kinsvater. I'm friends with him. I I don't know how to pronounce. Sorry, Aaron. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The professor of faculty at University of Vermont. He, he made a video recently talking about it. He calling it a secular religion. Yeah. And, um, I'm just another demanding his resignation. Yeah. There was a, well, there was a change.org petition going around, but then somebody, uh, Carlin Borisenko started another one calling for him to be, uh, to have the job of the diversity inclusion equity <laughs> czar or whatever. Of I mean, that, the, the diversity, <laughs> uh, inclusivity and equity, uh, position is itself like a chaplain. It's like these institutions are appointing religious affirmation officials to these organizations. I'm guessing they, they're probably very well paid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, 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 the religion is infecting these institutions. And they're creating jobs for them. 
and people don't resist. They're just allowing their religion to sweep over. The best way I can find to help to bring light to these people is yeah. to play the long game, like the Chinese Communist Party or other intelligent long-term. But like, you got to make videos. Every day, I would do two, three videos a day. You start to build this following of people that are really listening to you. And then you have the opportunity to bring other people in, like what Tim's doing with this show. And you and can start talking on on air, like on the video. Yeah, with other and you find people like you that are experiencing it firsthand yeah. and you shine the light on it. And then it just grows so fast. Like people like boots on the ground, like yeah. other like giving them a platform and, well, and making them feel supported. Yes. Not, not just that, yeah. but one of the things we're working on outside of this show is we're, we're, we're planning the vlog, which is going to be a vlog of the house and crazy shenanigans. And we got chickens and they're small. <laughs> And, skateboarding you know, skateboarding <laughs> and uh, uh now rollerblading as well for the aggressive inline people yes. who have been asking us about wanting to come absolutely you're all invited and bmx too bmx too i want to make this a fun place for everybody to come and uh, um you know periodically enjoy various things music comedy whatever it is for building culture we're gonna we're gonna do that kind of stuff so that people can have an opportunity to build culture and show people the other side of that fire we having a good time you guys go yeah. get locked down in your cubicle apartments <laughs> in New York City and, and drop to your knees and pray to your your, your woke, uh, um, you know, diversity, inclusivity, and diversity, inclusivity and equity officer. And we're going to be rocking out some, you know, old school rock and roll and writing oh, new yeah. music and baking bread. To the garage. Chickens are going to be everywhere, you know, <laughs> clucking and jumping and there's cats doing cat stuff. And yeah. uh, we're going to be doing tray flips and tail whips <laughs> and macchio grinds or whatever and just having a good time. So I must I say, I, I have met, I, I, I forgot what it was like to be able to talk with people openly. <laughs> and that's right. And like, I, I've met, I've made so many friends since since I came out, I, I just, I, I lost a lot of friends. You can I, watch I lost, George Carlin again. I, I can do whatever I want. How's your state of mind shifted? You mentioned earlier. That is a good question. Um, I, when I made that first video, it was just such a relief. And I, I think about um, my uncle. Sorry, I just went away from the mic. My uncle, um, it's a sad story. He, he's, he's gay. He's dead now, but he was gay. And, um, he had a family. He was married and had children and he didn't actually come out until he was like in his sixties. And he, he was so ha much happier to me. Um, and it, it kind of feels maybe like that. Like it just felt like I cannot, you are going to get, I cannot overemphasize that. Yeah. Probably. They're going to be like, how dare you compare being anti-woke to, <sighs> But it's, I hear what you're saying. Maybe I can keeping say it because no, I think you're. I, I agree with you. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the, the secret, the the telling yourself that the internal policing causes great psychic damage, and and I not doing that anymore. And um, I I somebody said something about totalitarianism that it's not a top down movement that it's it's a bottoms up that people start internally policing yes. themselves first, yep. and then somebody just steps in. Oh, that's how it happens. Yep. And that's what I, I was doing. I was internally policing myself and it's very damaging. I mean, a lot of people in the cultural revolution, we had a lot of suicides and in, in Soviet Russia too, like a lot of people committed suicide. They went crazy. This, this stuff, even in their own family, they're like, people worried. have to stand up now before it's too late. And hopefully speaking up is, you know, the first thing, hopefully we're not too late. There, there's some, there's some yeah. news stories that make me optimistic. Sometimes I'm pessimistic, but when you look at the, them eating themselves, they're looking for things to cancel, start canceling each other. You know, I think uh, I'm fairly optimistic. 
But uh, how about we jump over to these super chats? Yes. What do you guys say? Oh, yeah. It's time. If you haven't already, smash the like button because it really does help. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell and share the show if you really like it. Leave us a good review on iTunes and Spotify if you have not done that already. It really does help. And uh, did I say smash the like button? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> All right. We got this from Matthew Hammond. He says, why is it taking so long to hire people for the TimCast site? Carl of the Lotus Eaters is hiring people in a complete <laughs> lockdown in the UK. It's not taking a long time. We've hired, I think, three people in the past like month and a half. Just because you haven't Yeah, seen you them. just can't see them, I yeah. guess. Be behind the scenes. Yeah, there's like a dozen employees now at this company. Yeah, We're growing like crazy. Wow. Uh, we got a lot coming. A lot more people. We are, uh, we are narrowing down our search for a paranormal podcast producer, so a new show. We have Paranormal? Some- oh, yeah. definitely, yeah. I mean, we talk about DMT and God and all that stuff way yes. too much. But we're going to be oh. talking about ghost stories and theories. And re- like, I really want to get academics. And I want to have like um, researchers in the paranormal, mm-hmm. legitimate academic university researchers who are not the kooky TV show types. So we're, we're doing all that stuff. And it's actually, it's actually happening. The new site might be up even by uh, uh, the end of this week. And then with the new site, we're going to bring on writers. And there's going to start being articles on, you know, uh, moderate liberal cultural commentary from other people. So it's going to be like, there's so many conservative sites like the Daily Wire, the Daily Caller, the Blaze. Where's like the anti-woke, anti-establishment liberal version for like regular moderate individuals? Well, I've, hopefully I think we'll actually put that together and, you know, we'll see how it rolls. Christina H says, Tim has inspired me to get chickens. We did in Dude, fact get chickens. I love the chickens. I hung they're, out today for the first time. They're the best. So we have the chicken city, but right now they're confined to one building in the chicken city because they're still very small yeah. and we're just getting them used to it. So I'm going to go check on them afterwards, make sure they're okay. We've got some motion sensor lights to scare away predators. We've got the fence double layered. Might not be enough. Still going to be nervous. Yeah. We're still worried. Really? About, yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. Coyotes, we, raccoons. We were feeding know. them bugs earlier. Yes. It's hardcore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're great. They're, they're omnivorous, but well, man, st- they will rip bugs apart. <laughs> stink bugs are chasing each other. Yeah. Stink bugs are all over the place. They're invasive. They're massive and they're everywhere and they're really dumb and slow. But apparently the chickens just, <laughs> they, chicken. they, they see it and they, they can see the bug before I can. It's amazing. And they just zoom at it and they all fight over it. Yeah. It's great. Really, I wonder yep. if we s- made like tracks if they would go on a chicken race with <laughs> the one in would. the lead with the bug yeah. in his mouth. Amazing. <laughs> like running yeah. circles around. That'd be so fun. <laughs> already have a favorite they're so cute oh here we go zachary bird says ban dodge ram 2500s vehicle of choice for duis (laughs) oh 4.9 for 4.95 percent source in certify.com mom's demand high capacity dui vehicles control (laughs) now all white men own large trucks i actually have a ram 2500 (laughs) (laughs) oh it's nice we're we're, we're, we got it because we're going to be going on tour and the plan is at some point to take an RV, so we do this show on the road in a variety of cities. We stay in one city for a week. Then Friday night, we do a live show at a venue. We do the podcast in an actual venue with the audience. And they can, you know, yell things or whatever. And then we can yell back. And stuff oh, like that. that sounds awesome. That sounds fun, yeah. Yeah, so we're thinking right now the plan is for the first trip going to be Nashville for one week. Then we travel over the weekend to Austin. Then back to Nashville and then back home because we're on the East Coast. And, um, then from, from then on, we'll try like Florida and we'll, we'll, we'll slowly branch out and we stay, we stay a week in that city so we can get a variety of guests from the area. So Nashville works out really well. There's tons of, you know, daily wires there, I guess, but then there's a lot of people in Nashville. So that'll be really fun. All right. Let's see. Erica Baum says, high five, Tim, for doing real conversation. I know you have your own opinions here, but this is some of the truest journalism type stuff we have. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I I mean, hopefully, 
you know, I, you got to say everything you wanted to say so far and telling your story and everything like that. And people can understand what's happening. Chris Debon says, Tim, you are wrong about seceding. West and northeast coast states with disproportionate control house all comp comp institutions and corporations allowing CCP infection to spread. Infection is too bad. We must amputate. I, you know, I, I mentioned this in my main segment today about uh, Biden issuing sanctions on China. I'm happy that he's doing something. Hopefully it's enough. I don't know if it will be. But I think if the U.S. breaks apart, China wins. And they're authoritarians and they got concentration camps and that's going to be a nightmare for the rest mm. of the world. So I'm not a fan of that. Mm. I got criticism for Biden, but if he does something that's good, I'm not going to rag on him for it. I'm going to give him credit where credit is due. Memotype says, sup, Tim, Ian, Lydia, heart the show, just joined on the members page and love the UFO talk with Chrissy. If you're into that stuff, look at Missing 411, researched by former detective David Paulides. Ongoing thing with people going missing. Very mysterious. Ooh, I will check that out. That's very fun. Thank you. Cousin William says a rap is no more than a chant and has been going on in every culture forever and a day. Yeah, it's well, not anymore. Hey, now it's racist. <laughs> it's like vocal drum beats with language. Oh, yeah. William Martin says, hey, Tim, with gun control back in full swing, have you thought about having Colian Noir or uh, uh, someone like that or someone like that on the show? Also, have you ever looked into John Lavelle from the Warrior Poet Society Network? I think they would both be great guests. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have Colleen Noir on. Um, I wonder why we haven't. Maybe we should need to reach out to him. Maybe he's not available. I don't know. We'll figure it out. He's busy. He's busy. Super there you busy. go. He's super busy. Yeah, yeah. he has like an open invitation. We're going to make it happen. All right, let's see. Shane Kerwood says, let's set her up, y'all. F. Smith. Wish I could give more, but still got bills to pay. Well, yes, there's a there's a GoFundMe for uh what, what's the title of the GoFundMe? it's help jody shaw with legal and living expense just google jody shaw and GoFundMe. you'll find it if you thank would like you. to help thank you even thank you so much jp253 says started watching daily after crowder's election stream you crowder shapiro and bongino are who i listen to daily just joined Timcast today. You need to have J.P. Sears awaken with J.P. or Colian Noir. They're both very busy. Look, one of the biggest <laughs> challenges trying. with uh, people who have their own shows is they have their own shows. They don't need to come on this show. I mean, it would be great for us, but, you know, they're doing their thing. And I, lo I love the idea. It's like watching me, Crowder, Shapiro, and Bongino. I'm pretty sure I have very different opinions from, like, the three of those. And I think that's Crowder, nice. Shapiro, and Bongino have similar opinions. But I think that's the important thing. That's, that's fantastic. It's funny when they try and claim I'm a conservative and it's like they watch the show and Tim Pool rags about how like the, the weed attacks the rich or something. It's like I'm pretty sure that's not a conservative opinion. What did you say? How the weed attacks the rich? How we need to tax oh, the rich. Tax I would rich. love to see you on with Crowder. Yeah. What a, I've been on Crowder several times. Yes, yes, All star. Yes, yes. And oh, really? Ben. Yeah. And it's funny because he's like, you know, Tim Pool, you love him or you hate him. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> well, that's that. fair. <laughs> I think Crowder's great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I think he's made some really <laughs> offensive comedy. But it's weird yes. how like. You know, Media Matters went after him because he did this segment they called really racist. And I'm like, what was the difference between what he did and what Family Guy does literally every single day when I watch Family Guy? It's and a cartoon, I, and I mean basically. It. I mean it. It's like, like a free pass. Family Guy's jokes are are 10 times more racist than anything Crowder's ever done. And they're just jokes. They're like, he, you, you, they people poke the bear. They try to be offensive for like, you know, whatever. But it's political. That's why. It's because Crowder mm -hmm. does political commentary and that's an issue for them. Steven Decker says, what you're doing is awesome, Jody. Is there anyone working on behalf of the security security guard and custodians who had their lives ruined? The, that crazy, word I can't say on Timcast woman who started this should be sued to oblivion. 
Yes, actually, very exciting. The Woodson Center, um, Bob Woodson is a civil rights era civil rights leader. He marched uh, for civil rights, for the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And he uh, just sent a letter to President Kathleen McCartney. She's the president of Smith College, signed by 44 black intellectuals and leaders from across the country, asking her to stop the CRT stuff, uh, make apologize publicly to these employees that have been hurt and to make them whole. And so, um, and he, he also in the letter asked, they also asked her to provide evidence because she's claiming that uh, in response to the New York Times, there was a New York Times article. She's claiming that she there's a reason why we have to keep doing this these racial justice initiatives. And she named all these racial disparities. And so Bob Woodson, his letter said, OK, what you're talking about, where's the evidence? We would like to see some evidence. So um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see how she's going to respond to this letter, if she's going to respond to it. Um, it, it feels a Kafka trap. Those who demand evidence are just white supremacists trying to protect themselves. That's your proof. Well, that's the problem, right? It's an attack on it's an attack on evidence. Yes. Yeah. Evidence also, is, they don't believe in evidence. The word no, they justice really don't. is like being being twisted. That that word justice is. Yeah, he said that actually per, to me. He's like, this is a perversion of civil justice yep. of civil rights. That's what he said. A perversion. Yeah. Sine Castro says, have you guys considered having Dennis Prager on? Um, yeah, I'd love to have Dennis Prager on, but yeah. he seems like a bit of a big fish. There are a lot of people I'd <laughs> wow. love to have on the show as well, but like the most prominent figures in politics. Hey, man, they're welcome. Donald Trump. How about him, too? Come on over. Yeah. Be fun. He did. He did uh, Lisa Booth's podcast. He emailed me about it. And I was like, wow, that's really great. Good for her. That's <laughs> awesome. That's it. That's an, hopefully it was a good interview. I'd love to interview Trump because it'd be a really weird interview. You'd probably It'd get mad fun. at me. Mm-hmm. Like I voted for you, but here are the things I I'm mad about. Here, <laughs> I'd have to give him a compliment sandwich. Yeah. Where I'm like, I know the media is <laughs> lying about so much. I like this stuff. Now here are the things I don't like, Dude, but don't forget I do like this one. He's so candid. Like I want to get him just chilling. Like the three of like just hang out for a minute so he's people can guy. see who you really are, dude. Just relax. Busy guy. Fun, yeah. Like get the joy back on Rogan. Yeah. Jo- like Donald Trump so on Rogan great. would have been one of the best. Yeah, he still ever. still huh. will be. Maybe now's the right time for, yeah. for, for Joe to have him on. I wonder if he would actually do it, though. Yeah. I, I think Trump doesn't care, man. All right. Nadia shall worry no more, says my siblings and I are all Mexican, but only I look it. My bro was talking to his Latino friend, jokingly calling each other. I'll just say offensive. Word. I don't know if YouTube allows <laughs> me to say that. A girl told me the ad, uh, a girl told the admin my bro was white saying it. Oh. He tried to explain, but admin said my brother doesn't look it. So stop. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I don't know how these how the rules work, whatever. Wow. You just can't do it if you're not in the tribe. If you're in the tribe, you get away with whatever you want, whatever you want. Sheesh. Mason Wolfie says, maybe instead of race and skin color, we should start pushing for calling each other Americans. Oh, yeah. Here, here, good sir. Wow. Thought. Yeah, I like that. <clears throat> but don't get too hung up on it because it's still a label. It's still an identity politic thing. Christopher Riley says, hey, Tim, you should read The 5,000-Year Leap by Cleon Skusen, then talk about it. First time giving Please Read, also love from Wisconsin. Right on. We'll check it out. Thousand year leap. Interesting. All right. Let's see. Keep up the good work. Appreciate the super chat. Slanty chauffeur bear says, when you look at original pre uh, original print pre 1900 1950s books, you'll find the dark ages described as everything BC before Christ, the enlightenment, the age of reason was, is everything AD and O Domini. Interesting. I didn't know that. John Ballou says there was a comedian in the early 90s that said the only people you can make fun of is white Protestant males because they're the only ones that don't have a group to come after you. So true today. Mm. I mean, they they do. 
And what, what what was the clan? Were they Catholic or what was their religion? I don't know. Are they Protestant? So. Oh, were they Protestant? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Probably. All right, let's see. Guessing. Divisive Software says, Hey, Tim, love the show. Probably a faux pas, but yesterday a dude shouted out his podcast in Super Chat. Thought I'd try. <laughs> I put a game on Steam three years ago called Hol- uh, Glide. Is that what it says? Hole and Glide? Yeah, I've only sold 22 copies, LOL. You could revive it. Sorry <laughs> if this is cringe. Really love the show. Thanks. Oh, Not it. cringe, dude. That was awesome. Give it your best I'm going to try it. Yeah, What's yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, How do you spell it? H-O-L-O-N-G-L-I-D-E. That's right, right? Yeah, that's Hole right. Hole and Glide. Yeah. What's the game like? I'm interested. Oh, yeah. I'm always looking for new games because I get really bored of games real quick. Yeah, I, I got like 800 those. games on Steam. I just play Skater XL now, just <laughs> yeah. a skateboarding game, and just do I'm like playing Caves of Quud lately. Mm. Caves of Qu- Caves of Quud. I don't know how to pronounce. Oh, Q- why don't you Quaalude? play Holland Glide? Oh, I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah. I gotta, he only yeah, sold 22 yeah. copies. Maybe he'll sell more. But right. I, 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 it, has, it better be a good game. Yeah. That's right. I'm picky. <laughs> I need quality. If if I could read every super chat, then people would get shoutouts all the time. But we can't read good marketing. Gerg C says Razor Fist. Ask him on. Yeah, I'd love to have Razor oh, Fist. Yeah. He's cool. Loud. <laughs> All right, let's see. Andrew Matina says, Jody, not to mention names, but years back you were booked at a music festival I spearheaded in upstate New York. Love your music and I love your cause, and you swim pretty good too. Is all of that is all of that <laughs> who, true? Yes, it is. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> who is that? Andrew Matina. Oh, thanks, Andrew. You were nice. booked at a show? Yeah. Do you play instruments? Yes, I do. Which ones? I play piano and guitar, oh, cool. and I sing, and I just learned how to play drums. Oh, she rapped solid. earlier. Oh, but she did. It was yeah. cool. And everybody. I enjoyed it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Talent. All right. Mr. Big says, Tim, nobody views themselves as the villain. Some of history's worst leaders saw themselves as liberators and saviors. That's absolutely true. Yeah. All right, let's see. Ian Tifa. <laughs> oh, I've heard it before. <laughs> Ian Tifa. Much love. Is this, is this a regular a If you read flyer? the chat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is their meme, yeah. There's some smart people in there. <laughs> they're, they're All right, let's see millennia ahead. Ian Tifa, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's How see. How clever. Oh, okay, someone, someone says the clan was massively anti-Catholic. Okay, I knew oh. Catholic was related to them in some yeah, way. I got it way wrong, though, so <laughs> I apologize for that. I don't know, yeah. Booker DeWitt catch says Dana uh, Dana Lash she is she is you you need on she is you who need you on your need show. On show who you need on I'm the guessing, show yeah. sometimes people typo huh. Dana Lash, um, again big get That'd be but fun. she is a media personality and very busy I'm sure she mm-hmm. would if she was not got her own massive platform that's the thing right somebody who's got their own massive multi million subscriber follower platform doesn't need to go on someone's show right. unless they just want to do it for fun. But uh, I'd love to have Dana Lash. She's she's great. It'd be a really great conversation about guns yes. because uh, the more I buy guns and read into them and learn about them, the more I'm confused by what I'm hearing from the, the from politics. Like there was one post from guy Adam Best, and he like named all of these you know tragic incidents. He's like AR-15, AR-15, AR-15 over and over again, and I'm like, like what though? Like an AR-15, you're just like it's like him saying gun, gun. A gun was used here and a gun was used here. And I'm like, Air 15, what? There's like so many different variants. You're just saying gun over and over. It doesn't mean anything. They don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, Chase says, I am suing my former job 
I was called a white supremacist after expressing anti-woke commentary online. I was forced into weekly one-on-one anti-racism training for months before I had to quit, but I didn't bend the knee. Bravo, good sir. That's awesome. Good for you. Good for you. Um, Feel free to reach out to me if you want. Yeah. It just says Chase, but uh, is there a way people can reach out to you? Yeah, it's my, I have a web, jodyshaw.net. There's a contact button. You can contact me. (laughs) Mr. Paul R. says, if Jody Shaw lost friends, they're not friends. Yes. Mm. That's true. Yeah, it feels like a friend is going to have your back no matter what. Yep, even if I always agree with you. And sometimes they leave and then they come back (laughs) and you're in the middle of it right now. (laughs) Casey Finnegan says, hey, Tim, did you hear that Rebel News was demonetized today? When Ezra Levant asked why, the YouTube rep said she would check with her team. The woke is coming for everyone. That's why I joined your site. Thank you. This is why we should have set up TimCast.com a long time ago. Last year, when we started the TimCast IRL podcast, we should have set up a website. We didn't. We did recently because the purge is real. And they're going to demonetize purge. And a lot of people, I love it when they're like, Tim Pool's never getting banned. He's still milk toast. My Facebook page has already been demonetized and, and booted off. I can't. It's over. You can't spell demonetize without demon. There oh, you go. That's a good point. Wait, milk However, toast? <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. Milk toast? Yeah, yeah. So the joke is Tim Pool's a milk toast fence sitter. Mm-hmm. And it's M-I-L-Q-U-E. Yes. You know, you yeah, know milk know. toast? Right. Yeah, yeah the, I know. But no, I'm just, you know, the I'm just like kind of shocked that it was used in conjunction with you. Oh, it's yeah. a joke because I'm not, not I'm centrist. I Did guess. you make milk toast in the beginning? <laughs> Never. A little bit. That's a weird thing. That's a real breakfast, I guess. Yeah, my grandma used to make milk toast. You pour milk on toast? Yeah, it's gross and weird. I recommend it. So uh, it's a joke. Obviously, mm. you know, I can't remember who we had on the show, but they were like, why are they allowing you to do this? And I'm like, who's they? And they're like, the establishment, you know, like the Democrats and the media. And like, <laughs> why aren't they like smearing you more and like trying to get you banned or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, because he's milky. But, but, but they, what they basically said was, it's not that you're, you know, right wing or left wing or whatever. It's that you're exposing how they operate. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, there you mm. go. So yeah, anyway, join TimCast.com, become a member, because that's the safety net. If if we get shut down, the show's over, like we can still work so long as TimCast.com exists. And that's why I'm trying to get the new site, we're, we're, we're going to launch a brand site, which is going to do way more content, articles, news, and all that stuff, and everything, and video games, and skateboarding and stuff, because we need to build something independent so that we can't get shut down. Although we'll see what happens. YouTube implemented this new thing where it like when you upload a video, it runs a percentage check, like scanning your content for negative words. And so demonetization has started hitting me again for a while. I wasn't getting hit. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I will say TimCast.com is offsetting the loss of YouTube ad revenue, which I'm not super concerned about at this point. Charles uh, Balyosian says... Talking with woke liberals can be fun, especially when I remind them of my grandparents literally literally survived actual genocide and religious persecution. Good times. But it's like they don't care, you know? You know, it's like when you actually explain to one of these white woke progressives, when I've tried telling them, oh, okay, so your logic applies to me as a mixed race person, they say, no, no, you don't count. Like, I get to say that. It's like, but you're the white person. You're supposed to be the racist by your own logic. I don't work that way. Uh, Castellano says there are chickens that lay different color eggs, yes. blue, green, pink, dark chocolate, brown, etc. Two true colors, white and blue. Blue is because of a virus that changes the shell color. Check it out. Really? 
Because we have chickens. We were given a sampler. That's what the guy called it. And he was like, you'll have all different color eggs. I'm excited. So happy. Cool. Yeah, they are all friends. Kim Hansen says, Tim, every once in a while, give politics a rest. Since you are a musician, I suggest a great cover band called Foxes and Fossils. They have a YouTube channel. Give it a listen. Get them on the show. You won't be disappointed. Well, Mm. we have a venue, and we're planning on doing live events very soon. Now that the weather is improving, we're going to have, like, uh, uh, limited limited availability for members-only tickets that uh, you can buy and come to the actual studio for a night of... You know, a barbecue on the grill and musicians and comedians, and uh, we're 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 planning this out. We want to get some pretty pretty good bands and uh, uh, commentators. You know, it would be really great to get some of these more political commentators who do kind of a comedy routine. Get get them up on stage. Like Andrew Doyle. And yes. we're oh, definitely yeah. yeah, he's great. But he's he's locked in the UK, isn't he? We'll get him as soon as he's not. Is he? Yeah, you, you can't you leave can't the UK. Escape. If you try to leave, yeah. they, they fine you. But I think you can travel for work. So if they want to, they can still, for work, leave. And uh, so that might work. But yeah, Andrew Doyle, Dankula. <laughs> Count, Count Dankula is, is an amazing stage presence, yes. too. He's, he's really, really great. It would, be, it would be so fun to have him and, and obviously Carl Benjamin and do a big thing. I want to hear what you guys think about us bringing back Jam Night on Fridays. If you like that idea. I like that idea. I I heard about it. Why did it stop? Why did Adam just, left. We just Adam show, was forced well, it to happen, basically, and I'm the, bringing it back. Well, the show the show changed. <laughs> we started doing more uh, guests, and then kind of you know, yeah. But now, now we're once we we haven't yet completely set up all the infrastructure of the venue. I call it the garage mm-hmm. because of the weather. Now that it's finally breaking into the 60s. We can start setting up the computer, the lights, the drum set. I want to play the so much set. because I'm a, like a kind of a political idiot, and so when we talk politics, I'm like, oh, just stay cool, man. Wait for your moment. But when when we rock, <laughs> I can hit it hard, you know. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, let's see. Bobby Digital says I'm subscribed at TimCast.com. Can you pretty please make videos downloadable and pocket listenable? <laughs> I don't know how to do that right now, but um, we have. A new website that's about to launch, and it's going to create new subscriber options through different, you know, uh, um, new subscriber options. Just because right now it's just basically PayPal, but we're going to be opening up for it's just improving. Basically, we built what we could build, build initially. When everyone became members, then we basically used that, that all those resources to start hiring a new dev team and expanding. And we want to we want to build open source uh, uh, social networking code. That anyone could put onto their website. So you mentioned you had what JodyShaw.net. Mm-hmm. How cool would it be if we had an open source plugin that you put on your website and it was a social media app that networked you to every other website that used the same app? That way, no one could ban you. It's just your website, and but people on your website could interact with people on other websites too. Oh, yeah. I see. So the the, the, the social Probably. media app is like embedded. It's like not yeah, out we, there. Where but it, it would be. basically be the Fediverse. You know, which, the, f- which, the Fediverse? Fediverse is a decentralized Twitter where different servers mm. can interact with each other. Like peer-to-peer yeah. kind yeah. of thing. You and could so, do like a browser. So it could, you could basically be like, create a user account if they're a member of your website. Then their username could be like Bill at JodyShaw.net. And when they post, people can choose to follow Bill at JodyShaw.net. Oh, kind of like Gab's wow. and, and, and people would see Gab too because Gab, I believe, is on the Fediverse. So you could be Bill at Gab.com and people could on your website could follow people on Gab. Wow. It'd be cool. It's about to happen. 
Really? We yeah, want to get yeah. there, but we're small and we're growing and we can't just snap our fingers and instantly be a 100% company. Yeah, it's but. like a community project, which is the nice thing about it being open source, too, is contributors mm-hmm. from around the world will go on GitHub and GitLab and, and be like suppositing code for others to use. Free yeah. software, actually. So like a MIT license or something. All right. We got political cool. pothead. He says, shout out to rappers, Tom McDonald, Upchurch and Adam Calhoun. They're building culture. There is a whole pool of independent rappers not muzzled by record labels. And surprise, they're not woke. Yup. Well, the independence, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey. K- uh, Kale- Caleb W. says, got my Diamond Hands Gorilla t-shirt today. Check out Dax's new video. Ooh. My friends, make sure you get your Diamond Hands Gorilla shirt. Go to TimCast.com. I got mine. Yeah, yeah Joey's yeah. got some. I got one here, but it's a misprint. <laughs> oh, you bust yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has one so, it's good. They, uh, his eyes are blue, I guess, and his it's just too <laughs> it's dark. Just too dark. It's too dark. Yeah. It's too dark. Mm. But uh, uh, I, 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 I'm a bit uh, reluctant to show the misprint one because yeah, before, a little... <laughs> before we before this got sent to us, Teespring met, emailed me and said you're going to be getting double your order because the first shirts that went out were printed too dark, and so we're sending you double the order, That's so cool. you're getting like two for the price of one. Huh. And I was like, cool. So they they they've been taking care of me. I, I much respect. There was a big fiasco that happened with yeah. the gorilla shirts with Very them funny. a while ago, but they they did right by us, and I think I think they do great. Their shirts are amazing quality, by yeah, the way. I like the, the misprints could be a collector's item. Yeah, they are. Yeah, these I was thinking. Yeah, so we we gave some of them away, but I think these particular ones are not offensive misprints like the other ones were. That uh, almost oh. got us in trouble. Yeah, they were a little. Uh, but uh, we <laughs> might. Face, yeah. We'll 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 give we'll give some of these out. We'll sign them and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, the other one was hilarious. All right, here we go. Menian Lee says, I think Candace Owens is one of the most powerful weapons we have against the woke. Do you think she would make a good presidential candidate for 2024? Maybe not 2024. Um, maybe later on. She is a good, uh, I-, I would agree. Well, I would say this. I think she is a good weapon against the woke. However, she's also called for imprisoning people for burning the flag. And that's not going to jive with liberals. Not cool. Uh, look, I'm not talking about woke insanity. I'm talking about regular freedom-loving, social, and classical liberals who are like, look, man, I don't agree with burning the flag, but if it's your flag, do what you want with it. That's your speech. It's the George Carlin-type liberals that you, you you are, like the conservatives have won over in a lot of aspects. Threatening to imprison people for burning a flag, you're going to lose all of them quick. I don't know what your thoughts. Would you agree on that one? Would you, Do you think burning the flag should be allowed? Oh, gosh, I haven't thought about it, but I'm just thinking about, like, I don't know that that's a reason to write somebody off. Just because they have that one because, belief. Because they think you should be arrested for burning the flag? Or because they believe in burning the flag? Well, they pro- maybe they shouldn't be president if they... <laughs> they Trump, Trump said be- the same thing. Trump said you should get a year in jail. Yeah, she was so him. I'll, I'll tell you this. That's why I'm saying she's a good, you know, uh, she's, she's a good personality challenging wokeness. I'm not discrediting everything she said because she holds one one opinion I disagree with. I just think that's going to cost her a lot of liberal support. Yeah, and, and people for Trump have a as well. way of changing their their mind on topics when they run for pre- on uh, issues when they run for president. <laughs> I think people who burn the flag should get a stern finger wagging. Yeah, and if it's your flag, well, I guess you burn what you want, man. You know, it's like I I I, I would never burn the flag. I love the American flag. I think this country is fantastic because I've traveled the world. But Penn and Teller did this really amazing bit. They have this really amazing bit where they do a magic trick where they. It's a magic trick. They don't really burn the flag, but they do. And it like goes up in flames. And Penn says, burning the flag is the ultimate, ultimate expression of the freedom that it represents. Hmm. And I'm like, it's paradoxical. But when I see these like Antifa and leftist types 
like burning the flag because they hate America, they're only proving how awesome this country really is. Yeah, that's Makes a good. Po- that's a good point. That's yeah. that's one of our freedoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's countries where they'll execute you for doing that. In America, mm-hmm. you'll get a finger wagging. Maybe. You know. Yeah. Maybe. That. <laughs> you'll get people yelling at you and trying to take it from you to stop you from burning right. it. Maybe. But like in in Thailand, insulting the royal family, you go to jail. Yeah, just words alone can yep. get you. Yeah. Shadow Cloud says, I'd love to come by the van and play some Magic the Gathering when you guys are in Nashville. Oh, it's not a van. It's a 40-foot trailer. <laughs> it's nice. It's like a full, yeah. it's going to be a full studio setup. And uh, I don't. it's going to be a very, very arduous task doing a road trip. It's gonna, not going to be an easy thing to do. So I don't know how much time we'll have. <laughs> no Magic games. I don't know about playing Magic the Gathering <laughs> when we're like working for weeks straight on it's tour. Gonna it's going to be, be stressful. People are going to lose their minds. They don't pe- any like people who've never been on a tour don't don't get it. Somebody somebody mentioned something. Uh, RR says Jody's music is on iTunes. Oh, that's true. Very how do they find cool. it? Jody Shaw. Jody Shaw. J O D I. It's on oh. Bandcamp too. And you have like super amazing top forty hits that everyone will <laughs> listen to. And in the end, you'll it's just become coming. a famous musician. There you go. Perfect. I like that. I like that prediction. <laughs> Let's go with it. Waffles Sensei says, Tim, I can't I can't wait to see your take on the speech Biden gave in Colorado. Oh boy. He's coming for your assault rifles, whatever that uh-huh. means. He also has a moment that he says, Not until I have all the facts about the shooter. It gets obnoxious at this point, bro. Mm. Yeah, uh assault rifles. What you mean like NFA items that cost like thirty grand that very few people have? So Assault rifle re- uh, references select fire rifles, so they're full auto, full auto burst or, or semi. Yeah, those are extremely expensive. They're already ridiculously hard to get. Whatever. You can get Gatling guns, though, because those are like, I guess each, each like crank or whatever is a single action, so you're allowed to have a legal But doesn't Gatling do gun. like 60 ding, cranks ding, ding, a second ding, 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 ding. or something yeah, that'll yeah, spin yeah. so yep. fast? But could you go super fast with your hand? Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Luke wanted me to buy a Gatling gun, a nine <laughs> millimeter, hundred. It was like a massive magazine thing out the side, and you hold it, and go. Dum, dum, That's dum, what dum, I dum, want. Dum, dum. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with that? It's on wheels. Uh, I'm like, shoot it? he's like, I'm just telling you, man. You know, you gotta buy it now before it's illegal. I've Luke. Now. I'm like, all right, I'm not buying a Gatling gun, Luke. Come on, man. He has convinced me to buy some dumb things though. <laughs> I wonder where that guy went. Huh? Like the sword, like the lightsaber thing. That no, that was all Tim. Oh, <laughs> like the, the little torch thing? I saw oh, that on no. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Ati Cosmo says, have Lauren Southern on. Had a great video a month ago. Fe- uh, feeling don't care about your facts. As a, that's actually something I said on Twitter quite a while ago. When, when Ben Shapiro said facts don't care about your feelings, I tweeted feelings don't care about your facts because both are true. Feelings don't care about your facts. And that's why a lot of people driven by feelings don't care about objective reality. Uh, as for Lauren, she's in Australia. Oh, so, wow. Is that where she lives? I believe she lives in Australia now, right? She does, she yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'd love to have Lauren Southern on, but... Um, yeah, I want to hear her her personal like perception of her story for the last four or five years, because she was like, came out of obscurity and was super famous for a short period of time and kind of got burned by like the cancel culture. Well, she, and she, she got retired. in trouble for like being on the ocean and... and a bunch of stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I want to hear all her personal, like what she thinks about it. Well, my mm-hmm. friends... Ian Here's what you need to do. I want her on. You need to go to TimCast.com and become a member because the purge is real. We just heard Rebel News. You know, they got demonetized. Who knows how long until they come for us as well. So we need your uh, membership to keep doing the work. Or I should say it's the safety net in the event we do get banned. And uh, TimCast.com is going to become the real uh, bread and butter, I guess. That's what, that's what we're focusing on, building our own sustainable platform that can't be banned and a larger brand to encompass it. That way it'll exist beyond just like a YouTube channel. So we're, we're getting there. 
But go there now because we're going to have an exclusive members only segment, probably with a lot more profanity. We always say that and there, there usually is. So <laughs> that'll be up and you can check it out again, timcast.com. But uh, don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And if you really like the show, share it. It's the best thing you can do because that's what actually drives, you know, growth, I suppose. You can follow me on all podcast. Pla- uh, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Timcast. And you can check out my other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash Timcast and youtube.com slash Timcast. Do this YouTube.com slash Timcast News. We got this. I'm trying. You're animal. <laughs> All right. This show is live Monday to Friday at 8 p.m. So we will obviously be back tomorrow. But uh, Jody, is there anything you want to shout out? Social media or GoFundMe or something? Oh, Website? yeah. Uh, JodyShaw.net for supporting me in this fight. And JodyShaw.com if you want to check out my music. Oh, cool. Ooh. And um, there might be some GoFundMe comings. I'm working on it. GoFundMe coming. GoFundMe's coming for the staff who were impacted by the July 31st, 2018 incident. Right so on. very cool. That's I'll awesome. keep you posted. Oh, and you guys can follow me at IanCrossland.net. Uh, you can see all my socials from there and uh, keep in touch that way. Thank you for coming. Mm, okay. Jody, great to see you. You guys can follow me at Real Sour Patch Lids on Twitter and Vines. And if you guys like, you are more than welcome to tune into my Instagram because every night after the show, I basically kind of talk about what we talked about on the show and give my own personal thoughts and feelings. So I'm able to condense them and get them a little more, a little less wordy, I should say. We will see you all over in the exclusive members-only segment at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.